Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. No, no, it's not Rich Zioli. It's his show, but it's Michael Pelka once again in for Rich today. And I'm uh, thrilled, honored to be here. Henry and I are taking on the world this afternoon, and we will try and cover everything. It's a Friday, so we can't be all serious all day today. Friday, Luya to you. That's the way we, we start. We look at everything that's going on in the world, and yes, yes, the war is still raging in, uh, in Gaza. The Israelis are still trying to turn the Gaza Strip into a giant sand pit in order to root out Hamas. Hamas is saying, hey, you want hostages? Uh, stop with the drones. Um, I'm sorry, you don't get to dictate those rules. Yesterday, we thought we were real close to some kind of a hostage release. At least uh, Netanyahu was saying that. And then things kind of slowed down as a couple of dead hostages were found outside of the Al-Shifa hospital. You know, the hospital that Hamas said they weren't using for a base or any kind of command center, even though they have enough artillery and body armor and uh, all, all kinds of stuff like hand grenades inside to start a small war. No, they're not using it. They say, oh, no, it's a hospital. We're not. And then they find two dead hostages and a tunnel. Hmm. CNN's doing yeoman duty to defend Hamas. They have become the Hamas network. It's, it's really disgusting to me. We'll get into that today as well. Joe Biden's still out in California, and uh, he's uh, wrapping things up. And we have to talk about what's happened in the last 24 hours out there because uh, Joey's had some ups and downs. And uh, he also started doing something creepy. And we'll have to get into that, the winking. And I'm not a fan of winking. I think winking in general is creepy. If you're a winker, if you're someone who comes up and part of your flirtation regimen is winking, it's creepy. Stop it. Henry, am I wrong? Are you a winker? Um, I didn't say wanker. I yeah, said winker. Yeah. No, uh, man, I, I wouldn't say I wink too often, but it, it, it's, it's useful in the right, right situation, the right context. But yeah, most of the time I'd say lay off the wink. 
Yeah, if you're if you're messing with a kid, like if you're you know kind of trick a kid yeah. or trying, yeah, that's okay. But a grown-ups winking at each other, it's just creepy. It just it says you're up to no good, especially if you're like a, a politician or a, you know a figure of power. It's like what, what are they up to? Yeah, Joey was winking. Joey Joey was winking, and he was winking at the uh, the new head of APEC because they I guess they rotate the chair around. Everybody gets a turn being the host because I think these things are profitable to the host countries. And uh, the Peruvian president was the recipient of Joe's winkage. And so uh, Dina Bularte, whose name he destroyed. (laughs) No shock. Uh, But uh, it's kind of interesting. We'll get into that. There's some stuff from there. And we have to talk. uh, It was all about climate. And um, apparently... We made another climate deal with China, and we'll get into that a little bit later when uh, when uh, Daniel Turner from Power of the Future joins us. So we'll find out what the heck's going on. Uh, I, I'm still mystified that people are buying into all this climate stuff. Uh, we are pretty much at the end of hurricane season, are we not? I, I forgot when hurricane season ends. But I think we're pretty much near the end of it, if, if we can do a quick check on that. And at the beginning of the year, all the, all the um, greenies were saying, oh, it's going to be a terrible hurricane season because of all the climate change and all the, all the pollution, all the carbon pollution. We're going to have more devastating hurricanes. It's going to destroy Florida and the coastline. Um, I don't want to jinx anything. But based on my memory, it was a pretty calm hurricane season, was it not? Yeah. So uh, another failure from the climate predictors. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the ravaging season, and we had some bad ones yeah. last year, of course. We are still in season, I should say. Uh, the season get, runs from June first to November thirtieth, so there's still time. So we got like two weeks. Yes. Not even. Yes, we have two weeks. So if if something happens, if a devastating hurricane suddenly develops, you can blame me for jinxing it. But (laughs) I'm going to, too. (laughs) I know you will. And I expect it. I I anticipate that's the only the correct thing to do. But uh, no, I'm a believer in uh, science. And one of the things I know Rich talked about it in a vague way, but I was obsessed with it. The reason why we've had all the heat and the increased temperature over the past couple of years doesn't have anything to do with you and your your gas stove or using a charcoal grill or driving a a gas-guzzling cart. None of that has anything to do with it. There was a geologic event in January of 2022 underneath the ocean off uh, the, the island nation of Tonga, an eruption 700 feet beneath the surface of the ocean that shot water into the stratosphere. 73 Olympic swimming pools worth of water went up into the stratosphere and created a magnifying event. That water is up in that layer of the stratosphere and will be there for another couple of years. It slowly dissipates, but it creates, it creates like a, a reflecting and a heating event and that's why the planet got warmer it's not because you and your car is Zioli's old pizza oven which we don't did we get confirmation did he get a new pizza oven at the new crib i know he 
is. I don't know if it's there yet. I, I, I want to see if it's going to be one of these massive ones, you know. Well, he says he's got like a guy or something that hooks him up with like a nice, you know, a nice one for cheap. So. Of course he's got a guy. <laughs> he's Rich Cioli. And that guy will have a commercial on the station before the end of the year, too, which is good. We like that. But, yeah, I, I'm wondering. It's not Zioli's pizza oven cannot be the cause of the, of the weather and the heat. It's, uh, it's all to do with natural occurrences. And uh, I, I'm just um, I'm wondering how much longer they're going to be able to sell this crap. How much longer they're going to push their, their ridiculous theories. And, and it's all about control. It's all about keeping you under control and limiting where you can drive, when you can drive, how far you can drive, what you can drive, etc. The good news is it appears that the electric vehicle push is losing energy. No pun intended. It's, it's losing steam. Again, no pun intended. It's just it's not sustainable. And when you look at some of the cars that are being sold, they lose money. Ford lost $9 billion just on electric vehicles last year. And now fewer people want them. And I'm a recovering electric vehicle owner. I won't own one. I just won't. They're not good for the planet. They're not good for children. They're not good for your your spousal relationships, especially if your spouse like mine had range anxiety. And that every time you get in the car, it was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are we going to have enough battery to get to where we need to go? And will we be able to find a charger? So I'm happy to have a gas-powered vehicle once again. And I'll probably, I'm now looking at buying some older ones, uh, some older ones that don't have the, the uh, lockdown that the government is putting in the new car starting in 2026. So I'm looking at some of the older cars. Again, a, a nice El Camino or a Ford Ranchero from 1970 would be good if I could find one without any uh, rust. Uh, other stories we have to talk about today, and there are some big ones here. Uh, Las Vegas has its Grand Prix coming up. You know, they drive all those uh, Formula One cars around the streets of Vegas. It's kind of cool to watch. I'm a fan of watching the Grand Prix. I don't change my life to watch it. But uh, first day, first test run, somebody didn't secure one of the manhole covers on the course. Yeah, it was funny because there was a, an F1 reporter and he made like a, a video like right in front of it. It's like usually in most uh, F1 races, they, uh, they'll, they'll weld down these uh, these sewer grates to make sure uh, no one drives over them. But it seems they didn't do that here today. We'll see if that matters. And <laughs> it mattered. In the first yeah, it lap. took like 30 seconds. <laughs> first lap. <laughs> first lap. And it it's, uh, I believe the entire chassis has to be replaced on the car. Oh. Man, that's a tough one. It's a Ferrari, and the first lap he gets, he runs over, and I wonder who pays for that. And now the the other drivers are saying, well, he can't have a new chassis. That's cheating. We all have to use our chassis that we have. He ran over a manhole cover that was loose. This is why we don't have, have we, we've never had a, a Formula One race here in Philadelphia. No, they recently just started coming to the U.S. They've been in uh, Las Vegas and uh, Miami. And Chicago. And Chicago. Yeah, I forgot about that one. And the Chicago one was a mess because it rained the whole damn weekend. Yeah. It, was, it was insane. <laughs> so I did watch that. And the Miami one I've seen. 
And it, it is crazy, and it's crazy loud, too. Now, Formula One tried, uh, while we're on my bashing of the electric vehicle thing, Formula One tried uh, e, Formula E or E-Formula for a couple of years, and everybody had to have uh, battery-driven cars. And it was weird, because you see the cars coming around the curve, and they'd be going through the straightaway, and they look like they're zooming, and I'm turning up the volume on the TV, and I don't hear anything. Because, you know, usually you're... There's nothing. Just the whoosh of the tires. And uh, it nobody watched, because we liked the sound. So, believe it or not, the Formula One is partnering with Porsche to create a new fuel that is... Uh, very good for the planet, but it's not made from gooey dinosaur juice. They, they actually break down the air and create what they call e-fuel. And right now it works out to about eight bucks a gallon, but you can use it in any internal combustion engine. And I think it's next year they're going to run all those cars in the Formula One on the e-fuel. And if that happens, it's going to be a major change. A major change in in uh, how we how we fuel our cars, and it'll get rid of the the need for um, oil. You'll create this gasoline, this product from air, and of course, Porsche is leading the innovation, and the Saudis are buying into it because they think it's a good idea. Uh, stay tuned on that. There'll be there'll be more news on that. Um, Atlanta, remember when Atlanta got the world uh, the All Star Game taken away from them because uh, the left thought they were racist. By requiring a uh, uh, an ID to vote, remember that I'm old enough to remember that. It was what two years ago, three yeah, years ago, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Atlanta just got the uh, the All Star Game for 2025, and, the Sixers, and they haven't the they haven't repealed the law. They haven't repealed the law. No, the law is still there. And the law, nothing was wrong with the law. They kept calling it Jim Crow 2.0. The Democrats were saying, oh, it's, it's going to prevent people from voting. No, more people voted in Georgia in the last couple of elections than ever voted in Georgia in the past. So all they did was screw themselves when Major League Baseball responded to all the whining and moved the All-Star game out to uh, Colorado for that year. But now I guess... Atlanta's been grousing enough, and they're going to get it back in 2025. So uh, I wonder what Stacey Abrams will have to say about that. We'll wait to see. Um, I I don't. I think Dom brought it up earlier, but there seems to be a growing list of celebrities who are pledging to leave the country if Donald Trump becomes president again. Didn't this happen last time? It happens every time. Yeah, like, dude, uh, these people, we don't care. Don't care. Go. Just go. Leave. And, you know, in, in 2016, there, were, there was a short list of folks, and a lot of them were on The View. You know, the, the ironically named Joy Behar, and I think even Whoopi was saying, ah, that man. She couldn't even say Trump. She's so triggered. She said, that man gets elected. No, they're not leaving. This is still the best place on earth, even though Democrats have managed to screw it up greatly. But today, Springsteen has announced that he will leave the United States if Donald Trump is elected president in 2024. Is there any greater reason, any greater reason to vote for Donald Trump or campaign for Donald Trump? Well, yes, there is. 
because joining Bruce Springsteen in this latest pledge of leave would also be Madonna. And I don't know if anyone would even recognize Madonna anyway. Have you seen her? There's something absolutely freaky about Madonna's latest addiction to plastic surgery. Madonna says she'll leave. Cher says she will leave. Barbara Streisand says she will leave. And Taylor Swift has also joined the pledge to leave. Now, where's Tay-Tay going to go? The NFL needs her. What a, what a ridiculous thing. To say, if they're elected, I'm le- I am leaving the country. I am taking my money and my music, and I'm leaving the country. But I'll be back here for all the tour dates. Don't worry about that. Well, see, I think that if you leave, that when you come back, you should be taxed at, at a higher rate just for coming back and trying to, you know, take our money. So if you do decide to leave and then you, you want to come back and you want to make money here, uh, there should be a, uh, an idiot tax that is imposed upon you for leaving and coming back, for, for being such a whiner. Yeah, it's an interesting proposition. <laughs> well, you know, at one point, Chuck Schumer wanted to tax people who wanted to leave America because there were uh, times at which uh, people were wanting to leave the country because the taxation was just too high. And you could get a, we talked about second citizenships yesterday, briefly, uh, the nation of Lieberland doesn't afford you that kind of opportunity to live there yet. But there are people who live in the islands, and you can purchase a citizenship in those islands for half a million dollars and avoid most of the taxes here in America, but you can still travel back and forth. And Chuck Schumer wanted to tax them on a percentage of their net worth. So it's not an idea that's foreign to uh, either side. You know, people, people want to be vindictive uh, everywhere you look. Uh, the other thing with the Springsteen story, and I was looking at this on Twitter earlier, X, Twitter, still Twitter to me. Um, if you look at Bruce Springsteen, remember all the concerts he canceled last year and they said he wasn't feeling well, he had, he had like a peptic ulcer or something? I think he had surgery, like face surgery, and maybe it didn't come out so well. It looks like he's had a lot of plastic surgery on his face. He doesn't look like Bruce Springsteen anymore. He looks like a Bruce Springsteen stunt double. And and maybe that's what that was all about. We will see. We shall see. Uh, a lot going on today. I have a, a crazy crime report we have to talk about. If you haven't... Um, If you haven't decided to stop shopping at Target yet, there's yet another dumb thing that Target's doing that you may want to be aware of. And at the same time, the people from Anheuser-Busch have given us yet another reason to play one of the uh, fake American heroes bits from earlier when uh, the Dylan Mulvaney thing cost that company $27 billion dollars in market value there's news out of anheuser-busch as it relates to all of the dumb decisions they made so we'll have some fun with the wokeness today we'll have some fun with the uh the politics and the president and we'll get into your calls as well 855-839-1210 is the number 855-839-1210 it's mike opelka in for rich zioli on the zioli show call from mom answer it call silenced Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. It is 329 on a Friday. Friday, Louie, to you. Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on the Zioli Show today. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow night for my usual Saturday night show, 7 to 10 p.m. So hang out today, hang out tomorrow. And then uh, all of next week, I am joining uh, Don Stensland, the great Don Stensland, and Gregory Stocker to sit in for Nick Kale. So I'll be in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we'll be talking about, obviously, Thanksgiving as we ramp up to Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm sure there'll be all kinds of uh, interesting discussions over what's the appropriate meal. I'm a big fan of turkey, but I'm not cooking turkey this year because it's just my wife and I. And there's going to be a bone-in ribeye about an inch and a half thick that is going to be smack your mama good. It's just going to be incredible. Henry, are you, uh, you, you don't cook, do you? You're sponging uh, I mean, off I'll, your I'll parents? Make, yeah, I'll, no, I'll make the side dishes, you know, just to help out, make things easier. But uh, as far as the turkey goes, no, it's all them. And what is the, uh, the signature side dish? So I, I go back and forth. I'll, either, I'll probably, either, probably make both a corn souffle and uh, some green bean casserole. With the uh, canned uh, onions on top of the green bean casserole and the mushroom soup? Oh, of course. I, I never know how that happened, but it just looks like it. that was a mistake. <laughs> I, I think that's a lot. You can say that about a lot of Thanksgiving foods, like uh, like the sweet potato like casserole. It's just sweet potatoes with like marshmallows on it. It's like, who thought of that? I don't know, but it's delicious. It is. It is. That's I, the thing. It's all delicious, though. I'm, I'm all in for it, so... <laughs> I'll be doing it, but yeah, we're not, it's just the two of us. We're just doing a small Thanksgiving and it is going to be fabulous. Uh, at least I believe it's, and I'd sous vide everything. I don't take any, any big Ooh, risks. Fancy. Well, you know, it's not, it's the, it's the, um, the way to cook any kind of protein and have it perfect every time. And it's, it's mindless. You don't need to know. You could put a piece of meat in a sous vide cooker set the temperature and it'll still be good in 48 hours at the same temperature. It will, it won't go bad. Restaurants do it all the time. And, and speaking of, uh, of smoking and cooking and all this stuff, we got into a little discussion here and, uh, I, I wonder what people are thinking about this. The story, the daily wire had it late yesterday. Snoop Dogg claims he's giving up smoking marijuana. And I immediately thought, hold on a second. Here's a guy who smokes so much pot, he employs a professional blunt roller. There's a guy who works for Snoop Dogg whose entire job is to roll joints all day. And um, he puts out this statement yesterday. 
uh, and carefully worded after much conversation and uh, consideration with my family, I've decided to give up smoke. Please respect my privacy at this time. And then, you know, everybody goes, okay, what's he doing? Because Snoop doesn't do anything without a marketing angle to it. So we shall see. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I I think it's obviously just some marketing ploy for some sort of marijuana, whatever product. Yeah, new Snoop gummies are going to be out. Yeah. So uh, I'm not a consumer of uh, medical or recreational marijuana. I might have sampled it during my unsupervised years in college. Of course. Maybe. Possibly. Allegedly. Okay, I smoked my weight in college. That's that's okay. But I haven't since. And uh, if you do, that's your your choice as long as it's legal. I'm just not a fan. Uh, so I, I'm I'm finding this interesting. He said on average he smoked about a half a pound a day. I know. That's as he said. That's uh, seventy five to one hundred fifty units per day. I calculate that to over four hundred fifty thousand blunts. He said of his intake. So maybe somebody said your lungs are giving out. Yeah, that's also a possibility. I mean, because that's a lot of smoke. I get it's not, you know, a cigarette with carcinogens, but it's just, it's still smoke. Yeah, it's smoke that's going in. It's not really that well filtered. And I wonder if Martha Stewart had anything to do with this. (laughs) Sat him down, had an intervention. Or Martha saying, "Uh, Snoop. The curtains begin to smell like THC. I'm wondering if they could take the curtains out of Martha's house and roll them and smoke them, probably. He also said being a grandfather has changed him in multiple ways. So maybe, maybe this is um, a Snoop Dogg at 52 growing up. He's got four adult kids and he's married 25 years. So, you know, the buddy system with... With uh, Martha Stewart, that just it, it defies uh, understanding. I, I have to get away from this. This is too crazy a story. We have to talk about what happened on California, especially as it relates to America and our uh, relationship with China and uh, uh, the, uh, the climate agreements that Joe Biden may have made. During this past week, and how much do those really hold water? Well, we'll talk with uh, Daniel Turner of Power of the Future just around the corner. It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on the Zioli Show. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Right. I fought the law, and the, well, the law won this time. This time, law. It's Michael Pelka for Rich Zioli. Friday. Friday, the Friday before Thanksgiving, a lot of people already taken off. I was uh, scanning the the uh, cables, as they say, the cable channels during the uh, pre-show and the the uh, breaks here, and they've already got their reporters at the airports, and they're already saying the dumb things like, "Well, pack your patience if you're headed to the airport this weekend." Please stop it. Stop it. People who go to the airports on holiday weekends, they they get what they deserve and they know what's coming. Stop with the stupid reports. (sighs) We all could use that time to cover important stories, to cover the truth that's out there. Instead, they're going to cover the airports for the next six days. Guarantee you. Anyway, 
Michael Pelka, as I said, in for Rich Zioli today. Zioli returns uh, next week, and I'll be in for Nick Kale in the mornings. A lot going on, and uh, I mentioned that this uh, APEC event that uh, was going out in San Francisco this week, a lot of it was built around our president meeting with the Chinese president. And we still really haven't got anything that I consider a serious deliverable in terms of reporting out of the meeting. You know, maybe we're going to get some more pandas. Okay, big deal. But uh, what did we get? Did we get any clarity on the spy balloon? Did we get any clarity on what China's planning on doing in terms of uh, intellectual property theft, which they've been doing for decades now, and, and no president has really been able to successfully shut them down. We tariffed them a little bit under Donald Trump. But what about China's efforts to once again suppress America's dominance in, in the world as it relates to business and manufacturing? And, and that relates to us becoming these these greenies and becoming these slaves to the the people who say that we have to change because the planet the weather and we need to we need to capture carbon and tax everybody and meanwhile china's doing pretty much whatever the heck they want to understand fully what's going on or what happened this week daniel turner has joined us founder executive director of power of the future uh 20 years at least the guy's been working in uh in public affairs and communications on this stuff. And uh, I, I trust his information on this and, and you should look him up. You should follow his stuff, the stuff he writes, all kinds of interesting stuff. And I, I think you've probably got a tracker on John yeah. Kerry. Don't you, Daniel, you, you, <laughs> we you know where do. he is at all times. <laughs> and, and, you know, no one has traveled the planet more telling people to stop using fossil fuels than John Kerry. Uh, just in the last couple of weeks, he's been in Singapore. Um, he's been in North Africa. And pretty soon they'll all be in Dubai for the climate conference. It's remarkable that all these folks have to travel in person for these climate meetings. None of them have Zoom. Right. We, we all had to use Zoom and Microsoft Teams during covid uh, but when it comes to the climate, they all have to travel to uh, European capitals and stay in, in the Ritz-Carlton presidential suite. So, yeah, John Kerry loves his world travel for fossil fuel elimination. Yeah, I'd love to see his carbon footprint. I I, I watch um, their websites for major cities that cover like murder rates, et cetera. And it, it just shows you the hypocrisy you of so these much. places. Does anybody do a carbon footprint on these guys? Because that would be a great website to watch. You know, we should, and, and we probably have to, because we need people to put their money where their mouth is. You know, I have, I have no problem with, with uh, um, you know, people who personally choose the green lifestyle, but this is not what's happening. They are imposing this on the rest of us, but they are not foregoing the fossil fuel economy. They are not giving up the the luxuries that fossil fuels uh, uh, present to us. And I am a fossil fuel advocate. I don't want to give up any of it. You should be able to jump on a private jet. You should be able to have fleets of SUVs if you want. But the fact that they are using the coercive power of government to force the rest of us to forego this lifestyle where then they, in their personal capacity, don't give it up. You know, prime example is no one better than the president himself. Has he once said, I will stay in D.C. this weekend 
to reduce my carbon footprint. Nope. Every Friday, he jumps on Marine One to Air Force One to Delaware, where fleets of SUVs pick him up and escort him around because he wants to get away for the weekend. Joe Biden has not once said, you know what, for the good of the planet, maybe I'll just stay put. So, you know, until these folks put their money where their mouth is, um, they really need to continue to be exposed as just an absolute threat to you, your freedom, your, your property, because that's what these folks are. They're little petty tyrants who want you to suffer the, the policies that they don't want to live voluntarily in their own lives. Yeah, I think we need a you first uh, policy for all these guys. If you want to do this, you have to stand up and say, I'm doing it. You know, for example, I, I point to a, a congressman that I agree with many times. I don't agree with him all the time. Congressman Tom Massey lives in Kentucky. And like you, he lives on a farm and he pretty much lives off the grid. He's got a solar power wall that he built. He's got his year-round uh, cold frame garden, and he has, uh, he has livestock and chickens, and they, they are pretty much self-sustaining. And, and he's a guy who can walk the walk and talk the talk, but none of these people in D.C. do. And it's just that I, I think uh, we're expected to do whatever they tell us until such time as we start saying, you first. And I want to start the you first party. No, I'm with you 100%. Um, and, and we see this, you know, we saw this very vividly when it came to COVID, right? And, and we saw the, the mandates, the lockdowns, the rules that came from, from mostly elected Democrats. But then when the cameras were off, they jumped on planes. They had dinners. Nancy Pelosi got her hair done. Uh, Deborah Burks, you know, it was around this time, three years ago, that she told us everyone needs to stay home for Thanksgiving this year. But then she was getting together with her friends for Thanksgiving and people and her response was, well, yeah, I know, but we haven't seen each other in a while. And Barack Obama violated every Martha's Vineyard COVID violation, COVID requirement. And when asked, the response was, well, it's a very sophisticated crowd and, and we promise we're all going to wear our masks. So the climate movement very much mimics that. The exemptions for the elite uh, are built into the system. And quite frankly, all dictators have done this, right? No Communist Party leader ever lived communism. Uh, at the height of the Soviet Union, when Reagan was destroying them, the, the, the party leaders still had caviar and vodka. So it was good to be a communist leader, just not so good to be a communist. And the climate movement follows the exact same formula. Exemptions for the ruling class and the elite are built into the system. It, it, it quite frankly demonstrates how it's just one gigantic hoax. Uh, we're talking with uh, Daniel Turner from uh, Power of the Future, uh, and, and I encourage you to track him down and follow him. Daniel, uh, this this past week in San Francisco, were mm -hmm. there any deals made, any agreements? I know that, you know, Congress usually has to be involved when we pledge things or make treaties, et cetera. But did China exact anything out of Joe Biden that we haven't heard any real reporting on? No, China got exactly what it wanted from this meeting, which was the acknowledgement that America is bad. Uh, and then China can do whatever it wants. If you look at the, the draft accord that the White House put out, um, it has this, this, this language that we are equally responsible for the climate crisis. First of all, there is no climate crisis, but if we're going to buy the climate crisis, we are not equally responsible. China emits way more than twice the emissions of the United States 
and the European Union combined, twice that amount. Right in the last 20 years, America has cut its emissions by almost 20 percent. China's emissions have tripled. Um, the accord talks about ocean pollution. Ninety percent of the world's ocean plastic comes from China. And, and so they say we will work together to, to, to stop polluting ocean pl- with, with the oceans with plastic. The accord should say recognizing that China is the world's largest polluter, recognizing that China is the world's largest ocean plastic polluter, recognizing that China also uses slave labor in the production of all of these crappy wind and solar panels that we buy. But the accord says none of that. It gives this idea that somehow both parties are guilty, both parties are bad, and 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 it, that's just not the case. So it's, it's really remarkable to see the Biden administration just constantly capitulate to China. China can do what it wants, it can say what it wants, and the Biden administration, when it comes to this issue, says, well, you know what, we're going to take them at their word that they'll get better, um, but, but right now we're going to continue to punish ourselves. And that's what doesn't make any sense to me. China has had the benefit of hiding behind this emerging nation classification. Yeah. You know, they, <laughs> exactly. they've, had the, they've had the protection of saying they don't have to follow the rules because years ago they said, oh, we're we're just this growing nation. And at the time they were granted that status, only one out of every 10 people in China had ever made a phone call because, yeah. frankly, they were a backward nation. And they have made a, 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 a geometric leap forward in terms of their progress. So uh, China has, I looked at the list about a year ago, out of the top 25 most polluting big cities in the world, China has 23 of the top 25. Yeah. India and Russia each have one. We're not even in the top 25. We don't have one. So how are no. we allowing this to happen? How is this, how is the, how, look, we may be stupid. Our president might have oatmeal for brains, but how is the rest of the world not standing up and going, are you kidding me? China's building a new coal plant every week and they're making yeah. a bigger mess of things. Uh, there, there is this growing uh, uh, blame America uh, a tendency in our culture, definitely in the Democrat party. You know what? You can liken it to the, to, all of what we've been seeing in the news the last day or so of all of these Gen Z's uh, who are praising Osama bin Laden saying, you know what, when you look at what he wrote, America is the bad guy. And it's the same in the climate movement. The, the environmental left is never able to look at America and say, boy, we have made great strides. Even Joe Biden on the campaign trail when he talks about growing up in Scranton and how the, the air was dirty. There's no doubt the air was dirtier in America in the 1970s, but it's not 1970 anymore. So rather than say, look at the amazing progress we've made, look at how cleaner our environment is and how great we, our, our fossil fuel production and lifestyle is, it's constantly the sense that we're the bad guys. We're always doing things wrong. Everyone else is, is, is a victim because America is this terrible actor on the world stage. And we're not, not when it comes to pollution, not when it comes to human rights. Um, and that's the frustrating thing of this accord, to sit down across the table from China and treat them like an equal partner. When, as you mentioned in your intro, they're not an equal partner on IP. They're not an equal partner on trade. They're certainly not an equal partner when it comes to fentanyl, when it comes to the other poison of TikTok. China is not an equal partner and yet we're treating them like hey this is just another team on the field 
and we're going to play equal. They are dirty operators. They're bad. It's it's an evil communist regime. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never understand how we learned such a great lesson from the way Reagan treated the USSR, but we've never applied his lessons to the Chinese. We certainly never gave Gorbachev a, a, a hero's welcome. Uh, we never hung his flag uh, through the streets of San Francisco. Um, and we've never said we're going to outsource whole parts of our economy to the Soviet Union so that, you know, they have a chance to build their economy. And that's what we do with communist China. We, we treat them like they are equals. And China just absolutely loves it. Yeah. And, and, and they're laughing at us all the way to the bank and using our money to feather their nests. It is uh, very infuriating. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm old enough to remember something called Agenda 21, Daniel. Are you familiar with the... Oh, the, absolutely. The, uh, the UN failed with Agenda 21, or should I say they just delayed it, and now it's called Agenda 2050, which yep. was the effort to force all big cities or all people in countries, Western countries, to move close to the big cities so you, you wouldn't be driving to work. You'd have to walk to work in these sustainable cities. Uh, is that initiative dead, or is, that, is the World Economic Forum and the World Health Forum still working with the UN to try and make that Agenda 21, now Agenda 50, a reality? Absolutely, and they just do it under the guise of protecting the environment, a healthier planet. They'll even try to lie to you and say that it's going to be better for you. They'll call them 15-minute cities. Pete Buttigieg talks about it often, the 15-minute cities where you live in an area that everything you need is within 15-minute walk. Um, But really what they're not saying is we don't want you to leave that area. You'll be stuck to that area, and if you don't have a car and if you don't have land, um, then there's no reason to go outside of your 15-minute zone. And that's really not, uh, uh, you know, uh, aligned <laughs> to the vision of our founders and to the reason why we fought a revolution nearly 250 years ago. Um, so, no, they, that agenda is definitely not dead. They're just using climate to, to disguise it. You know, they're doing it for a greater good. But, again, none of them will follow those prescriptions. None of them will be forced to live and, and what you're going to see happen is really we're going to turn into 16th, 17th century England, where they'll have a couple of noble lords who have all of the land and all of the wealth and all of the power, and then everybody else. Um, and that is kind of the direction that we're headed in, especially when you see the amount of land people like Bill Gates are buying, people like Tom Steyer are buying. Um, that is the direction that they want us to go in. And if you we're worth a couple billion dollars. Wouldn't you want that, too? Wouldn't you want no neighbors and no one? <laughs> right? It, does, it makes perfect sense they're pushing this agenda because they're going to benefit from it directly. Very few people push an agenda that's good for the masters, that's good for everybody else. Normally, people just push an agenda that's good for them. And, heck, that's what you saw with all these business leaders giving Xi a standing ovation. They love him, right? He yeah. doesn't make them take a Juneteenth holiday. He doesn't make him get health care, right? He doesn't have to do diversity and sexual harassment training. Chairman Xi is great for, for big business. So they, of course, gave him a standing ovation. So, yeah, we see them pushing an agenda that's good for them, but not necessarily good for us. Uh, Daniel Turner is a guy you should keep your eyes on following. Are you on uh, Twitter X, Daniel? I am Daniel Turner PTF on that. And, uh, yeah, powerthefuture.com and 
we're on all the platforms because we're trying our hardest to get our message out and and I'm happy to be on with you. I've been a big fan for years, and so it's nice to be on uh, with you substituting for Rich. It's made my day. Thank you. Thank you. I, I love your kindred spirit, I can tell. And I just one more quick question, because I know you you live out in the in the uh in Virginia, in the farmland area there. Do you ever miss Spumoni Gardens in Queens? <laughs> my mom is still in Queens. And when I get back, absolutely, I go to all the places that I love. <laughs> and, and you're just never going to get that outside of it. I'm sorry. They say it's the water. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, there are, parts of, there are parts of growing up in Queens that I will always miss, Pomona Gardens being one of them for sure. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew it just talking to you. Thank you, Daniel. It's a pleasure meeting you. Keep up the great work and, and keep educating people. Follow Daniel on Twitter X, and, and uh, we'll talk again soon, I hope. I hope so. Thanks, Michael. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Uh, there he goes. Interesting cat. And, you know, the the uh, the folks that are out there waving the flag about all the hypocrisy uh, in this administration, especially as it relates to how we are bending over and allowing China to do whatever they want as it relates to the environment while killing our own industries. It just stuns me that nobody stands up and says, you first. But then, you know, the John Kerry's of this world are on, on top of everything. They get to do whatever the heck they want. All right, I got to take a break. First hour in the can. We have two and a half hours more to go. We have a, a little early exit today. More coming up. Opelka in for Zioli on the Zioli Show. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. It is 4.04 on this Friday. Friday, Louie, to you. The Zioli Show with Opelka sitting in for my friend Rich Zioli. Happy to be here. Thrilled to be here. Honored to be here. Wow, there's a lot going on. I, I just looked up after a discussion with Daniel Turner. I guess get wrapped up in that because I'm so irritated by how far down the rabbit hole we've gone by allowing government to do dumb things under the guise of the weather. But uh, I'm, I'm looking at things. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, Donald Trump's request for a mistrial was denied. Did anyone think it was going to be uh, granted? No, that was the New York City trial, the fraud trial. It, it should have been stopped weeks ago. What a gigantic waste of taxpayer money in, in New York. The fraud trial that isn't worth anything. And yet we know it's going to get overturned. Whatever happens will get overturned on appeal, may even go up to the Supreme Court. Who knows? Uh, Mike Johnson, the speaker, is saying he's going to begin releasing the January 6th tapes today on public website, on a public website. Wow. I hope that happens. Uh, I'm, I'm dubious until such time as we see it. Uh, Donald Trump is, uh, still, still, um, trying to lead his life. He's at the funeral for his, uh, sister today. He and Melania attended the funeral. Rest in peace, 
Marianne Trump. It's a sad occasion when you have to bury a sibling, but he's still got now at least 40, 40, count them, 40 felonies in the documents case down in Mar-a-Lago. Meanwhile, Joe Biden will get no criminal charges. That's that's the expectation. No criminal charges for Joe Biden. Just a firm talking to, a stern talking to, and maybe he'll only get one scoop of ice cream. Uh, it's it's so obvious. It's two tiers of justice here going on here. Uh, I, I haven't seen the name Caitlyn Jenner in the news for quite some time. Not that that bothers me. Because Caitlyn Jenner, when I grew up, there was a person in American sports named Bruce Jenner, who was an amazing athlete, won the decathlon, was the greatest athlete on the planet, the cover of the Wheaties box, and then became a part of that Kardashian cabal, which I'm proud to say I've never watched a single episode of any Kardashian program ever. Not one single episode, nor will I. And I have a tendency, even though it causes domestic problems, uh, when I find them on the DVR, I accidentally delete them. Just saying. I don't know how that happens, but uh, I can't keep up with any of those Kardashians. And then um, Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn Jenner and apparently did the whole thing. Went to see that Russian doctor and everything. Dr. Kuchikakov, I think that's the name. I might be mispronouncing that. <laughs> I, you, you've heard of that doctor? Yeah, I've, I've heard the name once or twice. Yeah. yeah. I might be mispronouncing. I'm not an expert on Russian pronunciations, but it looks like Kuchikakov. And uh, so Caitlyn Jenner went went the whole distance and became Caitlyn Jenner. But Caitlyn Jenner showed up today trending online and I'm going, OK, what did Caitlyn Jenner do? Caitlyn Jenner still apparently uh, is a Republican and the Trump family is in touch with Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, Adam Credo posted something uh, two days ago. Three days ago that said the Biden administration unlocks fresh billions for Iran. State Department confirms to me they have greenlit contested sections waiver that frees upwards of $10 billion for Tehran as its terror proxies Hamas and Hezbollah wage war on Israel. And this is uh, covered in the Free Beacon, which you know, it's a great, a great site, freebeacon.com. Uh, and Adam Credo posted that November 14th, to which Donald Trump Jr. responded, I know you're not allowed to use the R word that was a big part of our vernacular growing up if you're my age, but there has to be exceptions, right? Because this is effing. <laughs> How much do the Democrats hate the world? Do they ever learn? And Caitlyn Jenner responded to Don Jr., by saying, I'll say it. And then she wrote the word in all capital letters, retarded. R-E-T-A-R-T-E-D. So Caitlyn Jenner didn't write the word that Don Jr. wanted Caitlyn Jenner to use or that Don Jr. wanted to use. The word he refers to as the R word. But misspelled it apparently now that one tweet from caitlin jenner <laughs> has <coughs> has triggered an online avalanche of responses 
from people, one including saying, sound it out, babe, you're almost there. Keith Olbermann, who I think needs mental help, writes, dear moron, you misspelled it. Uh, Cloudfather writes, misspelling that word specifically is so GD funny. And uh, then someone named Faye Hausendorf, I don't know who that is, uh, writes, uh, first learn to spell it, maybe. And and several people. But uh, this just makes me so happy. Uh, Kim Kardashian parody account <laughs> even responded, speaking of Kardashians. But I love the fact that, <laughs> that Caitlyn Jenner, and I had to screen cap it because you know this will be deleted soon. Somebody, somebody will come up and say, oh, Caitlin, you can't do this. You'll lose some of your social media credit scores here. You have to take this down. Uh, we don't use that word. We use the word neurodivergent. And we use the word neurodivergent because that was the alternative term that Stanford University came up with. I don't know if you remember that. It was a, about a year ago. Stanford University came out with a list of words that were acceptable to use instead of the words that they find offensive. So um, the R word, which begins with re and ends with tarded, uh, it's now you're supposed to use the term neurodivergent. So maybe Caitlin can do that. Neurodivergent. (sighs) It's funny to me. And maybe not to anyone else, but it's very funny to me. Uh, we, we talked yesterday briefly about the, um, the young people who don't understand history, who don't understand what happened with uh, Osama bin Laden attacking America, the terrorist attacks on America on September, uh, uh, September 11th, uh, 2001, and uh, how they had been misguided and led to this Osama bin Laden letter to America. Well, the backlash has been substantial, and one of the uh, one of the responses that caught my attention came from Megyn Kelly. And I know Megyn Kelly is very successful. I, I I knew her when she was at Fox, and then she left there and went to NBC. And NBC was like, "Oh my God, we hired this person, and they ran her out of town, but had to pay her like seventy million dollars because they were idiots." And so she'll never have to have a telethon to raise money for her. But she has a pretty successful podcast out there, among many other podcasts. And uh, Megyn Kelly's response to the children who are misled about the uh, Osama bin Laden letter to America was just epic. And I wanted to share it with you. So, Henry, please. I'm sorry. What was that? I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Which one was it? Uh, you seriously? I I was I was in, like in the zone typing what you were saying, and I completely missed what you were saying there. Which one was it, Megyn Kelly? Well, I'm honored. The Megyn Kelly clip. All right, I got it. I got it. Anyone who lived through 9/11 is recoiling in horror at what these young people are saying. They've been indoctrinated. Their minds have been twisted. They've been brainwashed. They're weak. They're weak, pathetic souls. And I, I just posted on Twitter a minute ago to the, to their parents. You failed. You failed them. You failed us. Just an, a note to the to those morons. Three thousand Americans died on 
Four planes were hijacked thanks to bin Laden and his evil plan. Children as young as two and a half were murdered on board the aircraft that took the lives of innocents who just went to work that day. And remember this man, all right? Let's talk about Kevin Cosgrove to all of you now posting your fandom for Osama bin Laden. Kevin Cosgrove was 46 years old. He was in Tower 2. He called 911 seeking help as the smoke was billowing into his lungs and he knew he was about to die. He had children, he had a wife, and he was utterly helpless because of that evil terrorist who you're now praising. Since you don't look at history, I'm bringing it to you. I, I'm absolutely stunned. I didn't know Megyn Kelly. I knew she was she was actually pretty strong and strident, but this one was uh, particularly good. I have to give Megyn Kelly credit that that was very very well said, and she's absolutely right. I don't know how she picked out that one story, but that's a great way to make an example. You know, sometimes you say that three thousand deaths. Nobody can wrap their head around it. But if, if you just put one face on it and you talk about that one person whose life was forever changed, then maybe you'll reach into the hearts and minds of people and they'll wake up. They'll wake the hell up. Good for you, Megan Kelly. Very good for you. Uh, th- there was uh, another story about a, uh, a celebrity that required some beeping. Well, is this the uh, this is the segment the the segment about um, beeping things because uh, people require beeping sometimes because they don't have the discipline to prevent themselves from cursing. It's the curse like word variety the hour here. Sorry, it's the curse word variety hour. Here. It is. It is. Maybe we should create a new segment. <laughs> I don't think the FCC would like that. Fun with bleeps, <laughs> and and there certainly are a lot of them. Uh, there's an actor who I, I, I don't find particularly entertaining. I know a lot of people do. His name is Michael Rappaport. I don't know if he's really an actor or if he's just playing Michael Rappaport in all the roles that he, he, he's, he's in that show, uh, Only Murders in the Building. I don't know if he's in anything else. Is he, does he do anything else, Henry? Uh, honestly, I can only picture him in like episodes of Friends. Was he in Friends? I think so. Was it Friends? Yeah, I want to say he went out with Phoebe. Oh my God! I again, I never saw an episode of Friends. That's yeah. another one. <laughs> I realize he's, he's in things like nothing crazy. But he became, um, I guess, he became a bit of a media star because he's an angry person who's always yelling about things, and um, he's he's made a bit of a name for himself on the Howard Stern radio show, being a guy who yells and curses all the time. And I'm a person who thinks that if you can't control your vocabulary, if you can't find another word other than an F-bomb or a mother effer bomb, then you're not a smart person. You're weak. And I I think in the case of, of this guy, he's weak. He's ignorant and weak. And uh, he, he was um, trending on social media today. And I, I was sitting there going, okay, why is this guy trending? Why is this guy getting a lot of love and attention? And someone said, as we were talking earlier about these celebrities who said they would consider leaving the country if Donald Trump is elected, that uh, 
he would consider voting for Donald Trump. And I thought, wait a minute, I, I've heard what Rappaport calls Donald Trump. And again, if, if we're to apply the standard axiom, when a liberal points a finger at you, they're pointing three back at themselves. So every time I hear Michael Rappaport calling Donald Trump a name, I immediately think that's really who he is. So with that in mind, here is a... Um, have you checked this, Henry? Because I know Dan says he bleeped it. Yeah, I, I can see the bleeps in the audio, so he definitely bleeped it. Because this might set a new record. Yeah, there's a few in here for only being 30 seconds long. Uh, this is uh, Michael Rappaport explaining how he could vote for Donald Trump. If it comes down to pig Donald Trump and smoking Joe Biden, I'm sorry. I am sorry. Voting for pig Donald Trump is on the table. I'm sorry. I'm so I'll still call him slob Donald Trump, pig Donald Trump, and all that. But we need to get this whole situation under control. What, um, what situation is he referring to? Does he even give us any clarity? No. I... I'm welcoming. I, I would like to think of the Republican Party and the Trump supporters are. We're a big tent people. We've got room for everybody in the tent. We've got Caitlyn Jenner over here misspelling the R word. And we've got Michael Rappaport over here in that corner um, referring to pig genitalia. I, I, I think we're a big tent people. And I, I'm just stunned. But what does this tell us? Does this tell us? We're, look, we're 353 days away from an election. 353 days. A lot of things can happen over the course of the next 353 days. I will bet you Michael Rappaport will never vote for Donald John Trump. I'd put money on that right now. I think he's what the kids like to call thirsty. I think, I think he's just in need of attention. Totally. So he's decided, uh, I'll tell you how crazy I am. I'm so crazy, I could vote for Donald Trump. One character, he's as deep as a saucer. Just me, though. That's my opinion on him. Don't, don't, I, 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 people could say, well, you're just jealous because you're not working in a, a hit television show, nor do I care to. I'm perfectly happy where I am right here. Uh, I thought that was a, a, just a little bizarre. That was fun with bleeping today on the Zioli show. We had, we had to bleep Megyn Kelly just once, and we had to bleep Michael Rappaport. There may be another one that we'll test later in the show. Is there a program that you can automatically put the audio in and it would bleep out the curse words? I'm sure there's like an AI for that now. I'm sure someone has come up with that. If not, maybe we should get on that. Because uh, I've seen some interesting AIs, like I saw, uh, you know, Greta Thunberg, you know, the the uh, climate activist. Right. Uh, a lot. There's a brilliant AI uh, from her that's out there, too, that we could never play because she's advocating against battery operated uh, devices for adult women. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She wants. <laughs> oh, man. She wants non-battery-operated devices. I'm just saying. How dare you? But it sounds just like her. So it's. I did a triple take on it when I. I must. I probably watched it three or four times. Uh, just saying. Had to. 
A couple other things we have to talk about. Where are you on self-checkout, Henry? Where do you stand on self-checkout at the grocery store, at the drugstore? I prefer it if it's open. If it's not, I'll, I'll get in line. See, I'm with you. I, I am totally in on self-checkout. As a matter of fact, I am so in on self-checkout. When I go to the grocery store, I make sure I, I only take 20 things so I can use self-checkout instead of having to go through the, the human-controlled checkout line. Because I, I was at the Wegmans in uh, Glen Mills the other day, and I probably had 24 items. And the, uh, the self-checkout czar, you know, the person who walks back and forth up the, up the aisle where the self-checkout is happening, right. came up to me and said, um, you know, there's a 20-item limit in the self-checkout. And there was nobody else there. They had six terminals. It's pretty efficient. Six terminals. Nobody was there but me. I had a relatively full cart, and she came up and gave me the little lecture, uh, almost a Karen lecture on how uh, yeah I had I had more than twenty items in my cart, and as as she said that to me, I looked around and made sure I looked at every empty terminal where nobody was waiting, and I said, "Okay, I can just go if you'd like." And she looked at me. She said, "What?" I don't have to do it. I'll just go. I'll just, I'll come back some other time or I'll shop somewhere else. And I threw her off. And she goes, no, just, you know, just be considerate. And I turned around. I said, of whom? There's nobody else waiting. I'm not holding anything up. As a matter of fact, the only thing that's being held up is me because you're asking me all these questions. There are six terminals. Five of them are empty. And I'm just trying to check out and get home. Well, my little problems aside, uh, Walmart and Costco and several other retailers are thinking about getting rid of the self-checkouts. They say there's a backlash against self-checkouts. Backlash? Uh, Yeah, I know. Uh, well, the companies are saying uh, that the, uh, the customers have told us over time that the self-scan machines, uh, they can be slow, unreliable, and impersonal. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm all for just being efficient and then scanning my stuff and getting the heck out. Am I wrong on this, people? Do you disagree or agree? I, I, just, don't, I just don't understand how uh, – I don't understand any of those, like, qualms with the self-checkout that doesn't make sense to me i wonder if it has anything to do with people maybe not scanning things and putting them in the bag maybe it has to do with loss prevention yeah i could see you know from the store's perspective but not from like a shopper is that who's making the who's making the complaint the store's the stores are saying that they've had a uh, the bashless against. This is from CNN reporting CNN business uh, saying uh, one supermarket chain is removing self checkout stations in all but two of its twenty eight stores, and Walmart and Costco and Wegmans have revised their self checkout strategies, saying that our customers have told us over time that the self scan machines can be slow, unreliable, and impersonal. Uh, the last thing I want when I'm going through the uh, checkout is to have my purchases graded. I happen to be a person who drinks a Red Bull every day. 
and I will buy a case of Red Bull. And on more than one occasion, I've gotten Red Bull shamed by the checker who's who's you know, scanning my case of Red Bull. Oh, Red Bull. You know what that does to you? <laughs> yes, it gives you wings. Now be quiet. Leave me alone. So I, I'm very nervous that the self-checkout is going away. Wal- I don't shop at Walmart. I don't shop at Costco. But I am a Wegman shopper and an Acme shopper. And uh I and I I use the self checkout at the uh, at the drugstore because it's easier and frankly for me it's faster. I hope they're not going to take this away. If I'm wrong, tell me eight five five eight three nine twelve ten eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we need to talk retail because um, Target and Target has done something that I think is going to um, have a have an effect on their Christmas sales. I'm just saying, we'll talk about that. There's some new woke stupidity out of target. And I stopped shopping at target about five years ago when they started allowing whoever wanted to use whatever bathroom. And I really don't shop at any target anywhere, but I think this is uh, going to hurt them after their pride stumble from last, last summer. This is a new one. And there's an update from uh, the world of of Bud Light. Remember the one executive who resigned, uh, Alyssa Heinerschneid, the one who paid all that money to Dylan Mulvaney. We were told it was nothing. It was just you know a couple of cans. Turns out it was almost two hundred grand that was paid to Dylan Mulvaney. Well, there's another another skin has been claimed in the marketing department at Anheuser-Busch, and we'll get into that just around the corner. It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on The Zioli Show. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Those are my plans, too. It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on The Zioli Show. And uh, we have to get to some of the politics today, but the self-checkout discussion apparently has ignited... The phones today, the discussion of the report, CNN Business reporting that there are major retailers considering removing self-checkout. And I am uh, I am team self-checkout, unabashedly so. So I, I've asked if you have an opinion on this. And Mary in Wilmington, Delaware, where I also happen to live, Mary, is on the phone. Hello, Mary. Welcome to the program. Hi there, Michael. Um, yes, well, good old Biden's home again and, um, you know, locking up with his little entourage of gas vehicles, um, of police and multi-ambulance and um, everything else. He was home what? last week with the Palestinian rally. Wait a minute. You're saying uh, Joe's back? I thought he was still out in California because he had meetings. No. Nope. Joe's back. to signed up. Yep. We can't go on Barley Mill Road. Years back. We call those uh, Joe Jams, right? Isn't that the yes, uh, yes. the term? <laughs> yes, it's disgusting. You know, you, you want to preach screen and then have all this stuff. He, he's a, he's mush. He shipped the 24th, I think, what amendment about getting him to be... Um, the 25th you know, amendment is the one that the would need to be yeah, applied to, for yes. uh, competence. And you'd need the problem competence. is you need two-thirds of the cabinet to vote against him. 
But I mean, for any doctor not to see it, you know, I have a few doctors in the family, and it's just a, a no-brainer. You know, it really is. Um, with him just, you know, shaking hands with ghosts and everything. Literally, but Mary. Li- literally a no-brainer. I see what you did there. That was very clever. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, and I'll give you my my um, take on the the checkout. I want people. Um, we can't do anything like normal. I went to Kohl's the other day, which I don't shop Kohl's. You know, um, I rebel against people that were doing like Target and, you know, Bud Light. But I did just go Kohl's the other day, and they're all self-checkout, except for two people. So they just, I mean, I had the, the 30% off the Kohl's cash, you know, and I wanted to get a deal. And you can't do that with a self-checkout. You know, oh. it just, it's. Yeah, it's just tough. So instead of going like half and half or, you know, which would be normal, have people have to check out, you know. They go one way or another, just like with the, the green deals and stuff. They just, you know, I guess you can't fix stupid. You know, it's just really dumb. <laughs> yes, I like that's... the people. Yeah. It's just, you just, why don't you just do half and half? You know, because I do like going to the people, you know, when I have my coupons and, you know, making sure I get sales, the, the amount, like the poundage of um, whatever I'm buying, that it comes up right, you know. Um, yeah, and I'm- for self-checkout, sometimes you can't use cash. I like using cash. Well, I applaud your use of cash because I encourage people to use cash whenever possible. It'll help delay the digital currency revolution, which they're trying to force upon us. It's a bad thing, the digital currency. It's a really bad idea. So I I applaud your use of cash. And uh, I'm sorry you have Joe Jams. I'm I'm familiar, but I'm about 10 miles away as the crow flies. So I don't have them as badly as you guys over by Barley Mill Road have. So uh, patience, patience. Yeah, and we're at the press. We're at the press. You know, come on, give me a break. He's here all the time. They're in Rehoboth. Maybe he can go to the beach. If he goes to the beach, you'll you'll have an easier time, Mary. I hope it works out for you. I will. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mary. A happy gobble gobble and blessed Thanksgiving. (laughs) Happy, happy. Uh, Laura's in New Jersey. Hello, Laura. Welcome to the Zioli Show. Hi. Nice to talk to you. I listen to you all the time. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, so I'm a cashier at a grocery store. And I know for a fact why they cut it down was because of the stealing. And the stealing was really bad. They lost over, and I know for a fact, over a million dollars from the stealing. People taking full shopping carts, or even if they did self-checkout, they would kind of maneuver such a way that it looked like they scanned it, but they didn't. So, and plus it was cut back when people's jobs, too, when they went to all the um, self-checkouts and everything, too. So they were trying to save money, but in the end, they lost a lot of money because after COVID, that's when everybody and things got bad, they started stealing. Yeah, I know that money is still tight, and no matter what the administration says, and we're going to talk to E.J. Antoni at 6 o'clock tonight about about what's going on with the economy and and, uh, and where we really are 
in terms of how it's affecting people. But there, there are a lot of people who are feeling like they're having to make choices. And uh, a lot of people, like you said, you've seen it working at the store. People are throwing things in the bag without scanning it. And that's theft. That's that's shoplifting. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, And I I know the Acme store by me. I have a a little mm -hmm. Acme store just around the corner. They no longer have the basket that you carry the hand basket because during COVID Mm -hmm. people just took them and left with them. Right. That's the same thing. We don't have them. I think they replenished them once and then they they just walked out with the uh, with the little hand carry outs. And yeah. that's it. They never they never return. And they said, oh, yeah, we'll we'll return them. And they never did. So they just kind of like stopped doing that. And people just carry up with their stuff. And. And I've had people where they're a little upset because, oh, well, why, why did you get 20 items and, and, and stuff like that? And I said, because people were stealing. Well, it's a lot quicker for me to get out. But, yeah. Like yeah, pay, pay, was pay for your stuff, people. Let's let's all be good citizens here. I know I know times are tough, but we don't have to resort right. to crime. Uh, Laura, thank you, thank you for being there in New Jersey. Appreciate you listening. Uh, I'm gonna take one more call on this topic here. Jim and Chester. Hey, Jim, welcome to the Zioli Show. Hey, how's it going? Still on I-95. It's real charming. Hey, um, the reason uh, they take out a lot of the uh, self checkouts is because elderly people. We're having the darndest time uh, scanning stuff and dealing with the weighing stuff and all that stuff. And they were complaining, like, right and left. I work for a, a, a company that does research on consumer non-durables. And uh, uh, the shrink was really bad also, like the lady was saying, where people just uh, didn't even put it in the bag. They'd throw it right in the cart and act like they were scanning because every, every universal product code has a weight attached to it. So uh, when you put something on the on the uh, panel after you scan it, it registers. There's a weight there that uh, is registered to see if you actually did uh, scan the item. So, but it was just inconvenient to so many seniors, and they were leaving the stores. They weren't coming back. So a lot of them are reintroducing uh, assisted checkout again. So that's that's what I think. Well, I think that's a good plan because you know it seems like if you don't have a ten year old with you. And you're scanning your groceries. Um, you're you're going to slow things down. So you either have to have someone who's computer savvy, scanner savvy, or you have to go through the what did you call it? Assisted checkout. I like that. That's assisted checkout. That's new terminology. Very good. There we go. All right. Have uh, a great one. Thank you, sir. God bless. There he goes. Uh, interesting. Yeah, we we have seen situations in the past where some of. Uh, some of our senior brothers and sisters are having a hard time. Now, I mentioned the story because uh, it, it's a big stinking deal. Um, Target. Target has done something uh, stupid. I think this is the only way to call it. It's stupid. And I, I usually don't like to call people stupid. But when you're stupid, you deserve to be called stupid. Target has rolled out something called Pride Santa. And uh, nutcrackers for their LGBTQ plus Christmas collection. They they have new Christmas decorations for the season, which include, according to the reporting in National Review, it's great reporting, a uh, a broad range 
of LGBTQ-themed merchandise, such as a Santa figurine waving a pride flag. Why does Santa have to be waving a pride flag? Seriously. Henry said it before the show because we were talking about this story. Uh, Santa's for everybody, is he not? Always has been. Yeah. Except, except if you're naughty. Well, that's true. Yeah, you see, for everybody but the naughty people. So Target rolled out their new holiday collection, which features several pride-themed nutcracker genera- decorations, make your own jokes, uh, including white and black nutcrackers with purple beards, wearing rainbow hats, and holding the BIPOC transgender pride flag. Uh, Henry, I think I know what it means. Can you translate what is a BIPOC transgender pride flag? Isn't it a bi person of color trans flag? I don't know what it looks like. Yeah, I, I think BIPOC, it, POC is person of color, but what does bi mean? Like bi, right? Like bisexual? I, I'm I'm sorry, I, I didn't realize that they had created, they created a whole new language here, but uh, the uh, you have black nutcrackers, white nutcrackers, fine. And now everybody's got to have a purple beard and a rainbow hat holding a pride fly, flag, and it's embossed 2023 on the base. Now, these they're not giving these away. The Kurt Adler 10-inch pride nutcracker sells for $42.50, and it, it's a figurine wearing the pride colors, a sequined Santa hat, and the nutcracker's holding a heart that says love is love. And uh, so you can go into your um, your Target store, and look for the pride-themed ornaments as well, which include a snowflake in rainbow colors with 2023 on them as well. Can you just stop it? Can we just let Christmas be Christmas? Does everything have to get the rainbow treatment? I, I'm I'm sorry, Target. You you lost a lot of money earlier this year with your your tuck display during the uh, Pride Month and you're going after the kids, I think you need to leave Santa alone. That's just me. They lost billions in market value when a lot of people decide to shop elsewhere. And uh, I I don't think this is going to do well for Target either. Uh, The other story that kind of relates to this is the story about uh, Anheuser-Busch, which, you know, gave us Bud Light, and the story of uh, Dylan Mulvaney. And the the Dylan Mulvaney screw up that cost Bud Light a whole lot of money. Anheuser Busch, twenty seven billion dollars in market value, was one of the estimates we've seen, and and now it appears that Anheuser Busch's U.S. marketing chief is going to resign following this disaster. And my question is, what took you so long? You had Alyssa Heinerscheid, who stepped aside almost immediately, almost after the backlash began. But now you have the marketing chief of Anheuser in the United States saying that uh, he will resign at the end of the year following this disaster. I don't know how you ever recover from this. This is a gigantic hit. Twenty Shareholders have got to be upset. And we were told, oh, it's just one can. And it's a, a minuscule amount of money. Well, apparently it's almost $200,000 that was paid. And that gives us the opportunity to once again remind you of how we responded 
to the Dylan Mulvaney ad campaign, the influencer for Bud Light. And we went all the way back to the classics when Bud Light gave us real men of genius and real American heroes. And we created the fake American heroes. Here's to you, fake American hero. Today, we salute you, crazy woke ad lady. You're a crazy woke ad lady. Only you can take an American institution and burn it to the ground. Burn it down like a boxes. That's right. You knew just what to do to bring up those sales. It's the way we've always done it. Transgender in a can. Transgender's in a can. People said it was probably a bad idea, but who are you to listen to people? Probably don't even have a pronoun. So keep it going, woke ad lady. The destruction of civilization is right there at your fingertips. And not even a good drag show for kids can stop you now. And there it was, the original uh, tribute to the Dylan Mulvaney screw up that cost Anheuser-Busch billions in uh, market value well done people go woke go broke that is the uh, that is the mantra i'm stepping aside when we come back there's an update again on the january 6th tapes plus we have uh, more from more from what happened in california and um the latest attack by the mainstream media on the threat of a donald trump second term this appears like a really coordinated attack. Uh, I, I'm stunned that they're actually admitting it. But then again, the mask may have come off. It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on The Zioli Show. Thanks for listening to The Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. It is just about six and a half minutes before five o'clock. Michael Pelka with you on a Friday on The Zioli Show. Rich returns Monday for the big Thanksgiving week. I'll be in for Nick Hale Monday morning with Dawn and Gregory. And very excited about that. And, of course, Saturday night we also have a a show here on the station from 7 to 10 p.m. We we have um, a very busy, uh, just about an hour and a half remaining on the show. So we have to get uh, to a lot of things. And, And one very important topic it relates to our uh, friends in law enforcement that we will have to get to. And I, I'm going to uh, remind you that the House continues to work feverishly. The House committees continue to work feverishly on uh, looking into the Biden crime family. Uh, Jim Jordan was on uh, Fox Business earlier with Stuart Varney talking about the Hunter Biden probe. We heard from James Comer yesterday about the subpoenas, and they're looking at at least at December 4th. But here's a little bit of what Jim Jordan told uh, Stuart Varney earlier today about the possible impeachment. We got a handful of more depositions to do, Stuart. Uh, we want to talk to we want to talk to Hunter Biden. We want to talk to James Biden, who did all this business together. Uh, and we want to talk to his business partners, Eric Schwerin, Bob Alinsky, Rob Walker. And then, uh, frankly, we just sent a subpoena to this this Kevin Morris individual. He's the guy who stepped forward and paid Hunter Biden's like two point five million dollars in back taxes. He owed just, I guess, out of the goodness of his heart. Uh, so we want to talk to him as well. But the plan is to do those final depositions 
and then make a decision on we're in the impeachment inquiry. Do we move forward with actual articles of impeachment? And I think uh, we will present this to the conference and we'll make a decision as a conference if the facts warrant going to actual articles and moving into uh, full impeachment of of the president. So I, I kind of feel like it's headed that way. I think that part of the um, the slow, methodical pace here is meant to not look like it's a rush to judgment, not meant to look like what the Democrats did to Donald Trump on, on both impeachments. I think this is a very deliberate idea that is being pushed forward. So I hope Jim Jordan, I hope James Comer get it done. Because based on all the information we have connecting the dots from the banking records to the Bidens, from our enemies to the enemies' banks to the Bidens, we need to know what the heck happened. And if we don't, then we have the, the right to tell the Republicans, you didn't do what we asked you to do. So much more to get to. As I said, uh, we have uh, EJ and Tony in the six o'clock hour. Uh, we have uh, we have a, a really important story about law enforcement that we have to talk about. And I told you there's a new book out from ABC's John Carl that is meant, intended to influence the 2024 election. We'll get into that and what Donald Trump has said about that book as well. It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on The Zioli Show. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non stop talk with Rich Zioli. It is The Drive at Five with Mike Opelka sitting in for my buddy Rizzioli. Happy to be here. Thrilled to be here. Welcome to Friday. Friday, Louia to you. It's officially the weekend. And um, I know we've less than a week before Thanksgiving. So you should get out this weekend and enjoy the weekend as much as you can. I'm going to attempt to play golf tomorrow morning. Attempt. I'm just back from my battle against the Wuhan Red Death. I managed to uh, survive COVID. Never had it before. Didn't want it. Didn't need to get it. And I'm very happy to say that uh, I survived. And uh, I hope any of you who are struggling with it as well. Sergeant Betsy Smith is joining us. And uh, it's about law enforcement. And it's about the First Amendment. And any of you who have listened to me on radio should should easily understand that these are two of the most important issues in my life. Number one, the First Amendment. I am a person who believes, as taught by my father, my late father, that there is no greater amendment in our Constitution than the First Amendment. I know a lot of you are saying, what about the Second Amendment, Mike? Well, that protects the First Amendment. But our First Amendment is so important and the five freedoms it protects that it is um, it is my license plate. I've never had a vanity plate 
And yet, in the last years of my dad's life, when he talked about the First Amendment so passionately, and he talked about it to his, his nine kids and how we have to make sure we defend it at all costs. We fight at every turn to make sure that freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble, freedom to address your government is so important that you have to fight for it. My, my license plate reads after one, A-F-T-E-R number one. And that means after the First Amendment, everything else is secondary. That was my dad's mantra. It's also my brother George's license plate in Florida and my brother Frank's license plate in Louisiana. And it's our tribute to my father. And at the same time, the respect and, and the support I have for the First Amendment is also conferred upon the men and women of law enforcement. And not just our military, but especially the people locally who keep us safe every single day. And so when, when two stories converge of, on those two topics, it is worth us spending some time with it, especially when we have a little bit of good news. So um, we, we have a little time uh, with a new friend. I'm claiming her as a new friend. Sergeant Betsy Smith joining us. Uh, the spokesperson for the National Police Association is here. Uh, Sergeant, welcome and Friday Luya to you. Well, Mike, you can count me as a longtime fan, and so I'm so excited to to actually be talking to you. Thanks for having me. Wow, I, I'm I'm flattered. Thanks for being here. Now, um, Sergeant, this um, this story that we're talking about isn't a news story, and yet uh, it's it's getting um, national attention. I'm happy it's getting national attention. The decision that came out of Springfield Township. Uh, recently uh, about uh, the um, the thin blue line flag. Now, I, I don't know the history of the thin blue line flag. I don't know how old it is. I know it's been around a while. I've had them on my cars in the in the corners of the windshield in the past. Do you have any history or any idea about the history? The thin blue line flag has been around uh, for at least 40 years. And we, and it's, and it's, it's used in about 80 different countries. You know, different nations use this. It, it's a, it was originally as a tribute to our fallen law enforcement officers, our fallen brothers and sisters. And it was just a black flag with that blue line across it. And that would indicate that an officer um, was fallen and we were honoring them and we would, you know, also wear a blue, a black line across our badges when an officer was, uh, had fallen. And then in about since 2014, we've been using the thin blue line American flag here in the United States, which is a blue and black American, you know, motif flag with that, um, you know, thin blue line running through it, like you're talking about with the sticker that I also have on my, uh, vehicle. And, uh, and that just indicates two things. Our pride in our country as law enforcement officers, because every police officer, first thing we do is take an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States and then our Constitution locally. Uh, so it's our pride in our country and also our pride in what we do, our pride in this profession. And this profession has been under attack for the last, you know, nine or ten years, but especially under attack, you know, for the last three and a half years where we've been vilified and demonized. And so that thin blue line flag 
becomes even more near and dear to us, more important to us. Yeah, it, it is such a simple statement, and I don't understand how people can't support it. Now, this story goes back to earlier this year, to early in February, the first week of February, when uh, the Springfield Town Police Benevolent Association and, and, and three officers had to file a lawsuit against the township and the commissioners because they banned the flag symbol. Uh, I, I, was there an outcry from the public saying you can't have this symbol? How did that even come about? Now, the Springfield Township, their police department there, decided to use the thin blue line flag in their new logo. And there were some people um, who complained about that and said, you know, you can't you can't have that because during the 2020 riots um that thin blue line flag got uh, people said oh it means racism and it means anti-black lives matter none of that is true but it got very politicized and so around the country we have seen various uh, what I believe are weak police leaders take down that thin blue line flag off of their patrol cars, out of their, uh, you know, roll call rooms and things like that. And the Springfield Township here in Pennsylvania, in Montgomery County, the officials there banned the employees from using it. And, you know, these employees had it on their logo. They had it on their uniforms. You know, they even, uh, and the, the, their attorney talked about this, a lot of them even wear thin blue line wedding rings. And my husband and I do the same thing because we were both police officers. And, uh, but they said, sorry, you can't use this anymore. And so these police officers, through their union, and they got a terrific attorney, and he filed a lawsuit. And uh, the district judge, uh, Karen Marston, said in her ruling that this is an unconstitutional restriction on employee speech under exactly what you were talking about, under the First Amendment. We love that. And so they're, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just, and, you know, I got to tell you, the National Police Association, we have been involved in multiple court cases involving homeowners associations um, because there have been HOAs around the country who have, uh, again, through that same flawed logic of somehow the thin blue line flag uh, is is somehow a racist uh, anti-black symbol. Again, it's not. Um, but we've been involved in court cases to allow people to be able to fly their thin blue line flag. We've we have lost some of those cases. We have you know prevailed in others, and uh, so it it can be a difficult situation. So we're we're really grateful that these Springfield officers are able to to display this flag to you know because don't you want your police officers to take pride in their country and take pride in their profession isn't that what we want out of our cops in the united states i know it, i know i do I, I I know um, I have to temper my sarcasm because I can I can turn it up to Olympic levels at any given time. But yeah, it seems like one of those things that if you're going to hire law enforcement, you want them to have a pride in their their work and in the people and the country they're protecting. So I, I'm all for this now. Um, Sergeant Betsy Smith from the National Police Association. This is one town. This is one little police force. Are there other attacks on the thin blue line around the country? And will this case hold any sway if there are cases like this in other jurisdictions? 
There are cases around the country, and again, there have been police leaders who were have they have given into one or two complaints from the public and taken down that thin blue line flag. But I believe that we are seeing a pendulum swing. Now, you know, people have seen what three and a half years of vilifying and demonizing your law enforcement officers has done to this country and has done, uh, you know, in uh, in helping criminals go out there and continue to do crime so prolifically. And uh, and I think we're going to see that pendulum swing. We certainly and, you know, the National Police Association, we've done polling with the Rasmussen Organization and our polling tells us most people support the police. Most people don't want their police department defunded. Most people want more police in their neighborhoods. But now we're seeing that uh, people are really starting to speak out about that, support us much more publicly. And I think this case will go a long way to helping judges decide some of those other cases around the country. Well, that's good. And it's nice to see it go from the uh, more obscure reporting in uh, smaller web pages to the very front page of Fox News, which we don't always get. But there is a headline today saying court rejects Pennsylvania Township's ban of thin blue line flag is unconstitutional. It's going to be hard to overturn that. I hope no one tries. And I hope we see more of these. Uh, If people want to know more about you and the work your organization does, Sergeant Smith, uh, do we go to nationalpolice.org? You absolutely do. Go to nationalpolice.org and see some of the amazing things. We are a, we are a law enforcement charity, not just for police officers, but for citizens to learn how to get involved and support their police department. And we have a great presence on Twitter and uh, Facebook. And, uh, and we are doing so much good for the American law enforcement officer and for the people who support us and the people who need us. Well, you know, if we can help, you you know you have to reach out and ask, and we'll we'll try and support in any way we can because uh, we're part of that that support for law enforcement 24-7 here at the radio station, and personally as well. Myself, um, Sergeant Smith, are you still active, or are you more in the capacity of uh, doing uh, press and PR for this organization? <laughs> I was a police officer for 29 years, and now I'm a police trainer. I travel the country with my husband. In fact, I do some international stints as well. And uh, and then uh, I am, uh, as the spokesman for the National Police Association, I get to uh, talk to uh, police-supporting media members like you and uh, go to some different conferences. And uh, we Good. just are so pleased with the support that we see every day. Uh, from the American people. It is it is just so heartening. And people can see all the things we do at nationalpolice.org. Nationalpolice.org. I will tell you, I think you nailed it when you said you feel like the pendulum is swinging back. Uh, we had the rally for Israel in Washington, D.C. this past, um, was it Tuesday? 300,000 people gathered. And the Capitol Police Uh, on anecdotal reports saying in one day they received more thank you for your service and for what you do statements than they've gotten in the past three years. So I do feel like there is a 
there's a turn back towards supporting the cops instead of looking at uh, defunding or limiting law enforcement. And that's a good sign for all of us. And never miss a chance to stop and thank a cop, people. Uh, even if you feel Amen. like it's, it sounds uh, trite. Every cop you see, you should walk up to and just say, hey, thanks. And maybe you could buy them a sandwich, too, but they won't take it, usually. Uh, Betsy Smith, thank you. Sergeant, uh, appreciate what you and your husband, what your family have done, and congratulations on this big victory. Let's hope it upholds uh, all across the country. Thanks, Mike, for having us. I so appreciate it. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour. Happy hour. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday. Now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code COLI at GrandHotelCapeMay.com. It is uh, 5.15 on a Friday. It's Michael Pelka in the middle of uh, 30 minutes of nonstop talk here in the drive at 5. I, I mentioned uh, <laughs> that I think the mainstream media is starting to panic. I really do. And looking at the polling data that's come out this week, where you see Joe Biden is uh, seriously hurting across so many demographics. And you're also seeing that uh, his own party is starting to say, hey, uh, this guy is not the answer, that we've got a problem here. And Joe Biden himself saying yesterday that uh, if Gavin Newsom wanted the job, he could have the job he was running for. It, it feels like the left is probably going to start panicking in a very serious manner. And that means they're going to come after whomever is the front runner on the GOP side of things. And currently it's Donald Trump by a lot. And Donald Trump keeps building and growing. And I do think that this past week has been a very important one for, for Mr. Trump. He not only maintained his lead across the uh, swing states, but you have seen diminishment in the numbers for uh, Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, and also for Governor Haley, Nikki Haley, Ambassador Nikki Haley. Uh, And both of those because of their own problems. Uh, Governor DeSantis, I think, has shot himself in the foot with some of the uh, stumbles he's made. Especially, we played it yesterday, the adding of the applause to a campaign commercial. It's so easy to check that stuff. And, and then the, the uh, lifts in the shoes. But that he could fix that real easy. He could clearly fix that. And I happen to like Governor DeSantis. I think he does great work in Florida. I happen to like Donald Trump more. Nikki Haley appears to have really hurt herself with the comments about not being anonymous online. Nikki Haley is facing a serious backlash, and she had just kind of moved into second place. But there is a great concern that she is not the choice. And so while you're hearing all kinds of things about donors moving to Nikki Haley, there are a whole bunch of folks who believe in in freedom and freedom of speech, as we were just talking about. So it looks like it's going to be Donald Trump's election in the primaries, to lose. And that means the left is going to come after him. And how are they doing that? Well, one of the latest is uh, this push 
from John Carl, Jonathan Carl out of ABC News. He has written a book, and the intention of the book is to influence the election. He's, he's not even hiding it. Jonathan Carl was on with uh, Stephen Colbert last night on uh, television talking about the new book he's written. Uh, first of all, it's important to remember, less than a year ago, he was trailing Ron DeSantis in polls, in one Wall Street Journal poll in December by 20 points or so. It was flipped. So that, that's uh, talking about, obviously, Donald Trump in the polls from last year. Yes. Yes. So, so it, it wasn't a total. But, but I think part of what's happened is people look back. There's, there's anxiety in the country. Uh, people have economic anxiety. There's discontent with Joe Biden. And I think there's some superficially a sense of like, uh, look, if we can only go back to four years ago, the world. Would- yeah, uh, I, it's not superficial. It's real. And it's not just anxiety. People have less money in their pockets. People are taking money out of their 401k plans. People are living paycheck to paycheck at levels we've never seen before. It's not fake. It's real. I'm sorry I interrupted you, John Carl, but go ahead and make your case. If we can only go back to four years ago, the world was relatively at peace. Inflation was low. Everything was, was, I think there's some of that. And that's why I wrote this book, because if people are going to go into this next election thinking about that, they also need to be thinking not just about what Trump was, but what he is now and what he is proposing and planning to do, what a second Trump administration would look like. And I don't- so wait, wait a minute. Uh, based on everything I've heard, Donald Trump's entire plan is to make America great again. That seems like what he's planning on doing. Now, I know that freaks out the left. And I know that even the uh, administration refers to people who support Donald Trump as extreme MAGA Republicans. But they're going to now say that Donald Trump, who has said that one of the things he wants to do is to make sure that we remove as many of the people who came here illegally under Joe Biden as possible that deportations would begin the minute he takes office. And I, for one, don't have a problem with that. And I'll bet you if you went to some of the neighborhoods in Chicago that have been standing up and screaming at the mayor saying, hey, what about us? If you went to New York City, where the, uh, where the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, who's currently under all kinds of questionable uh, investigations because of his uh, fundraising and his, his primary fundraiser, who may have had some hinky deals with Turkey. But the uh, mayor of New York City has had to cut police training, has had to cut school funding because they have so many people in the country illegally and they're a sanctuary city. And they can't handle it. That that these guys, they're just freaking out. And they're going to start painting Donald Trump as a man who's going to use the military to deport all these people. Well, they're here illegally. I don't know what part about that statement you don't understand. And they're also going to paint him. They started this. We'll talk about it. Uh, they're going to paint him as uh, a, a Nazi again, because that's what they do, even though they're the ones with more Nazi-like... Uh, leanings uh more from jonathan carl i think people have come to terms with that so he was getting a round of applause for what donald trump's planning to do trump was but what he is now 
and what he is proposing and planning to do, what a second Trump administration would look like. And I don't think people have come to terms with that. Well, um, a lot of us have come to terms with it because we think it would be a good thing. Now, interestingly enough, the interviews that Jonathan Carl did for this book included some recordings, because when you write books, you tend to go in with a recording device so you can make sure you don't misquote the person. And so CNN spent considerable time today playing some of these recordings. And I think CNN thinks these were gotcha recordings. I think CNN believes that that what they have in the Jonathan Carl tapes is uh, a moment where they're going to be able to point and say, aha, Donald Trump, the insurrectionist, even though there was no insurrection. And by the way, some of the new videotapes that are being released that uh, the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, has released, already they're laughable when you look at them. They're laughable what they're showing. And there's 44,000 hours of them. No, I'm not going to be watching it. But here's a little bit of the CNN reporting using the audio from Jonathan Carl's recordings for his interviews for his new book, which is meant to sway the 2024 election. He has a, a plan. He, John Carl, has a plan to affect the election. These aren't journalists anymore. They are political operatives, and they're working on behalf of the Democrat Party. New audio of Donald Trump in his own words, saying quite clearly he wanted to join the crowds at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. He says it suggests to calm down what we know now became a violent mob. Why Trump did not do that, he blames the Secret Service. Now, this is coming now. The whole agenda is being put forward here by CNN. And remember, they're cherry-picking things. Jonathan Carl has hours of audio. So why this audio? Because they think they can sway public opinion. They think they can spin this. From Jonathan Carl of ABC News, when Trump spoke with Carl two months after the insurrection. Listen to this. If you look at the real size of that crowd, it was never reported correctly. There were, it's the biggest crowd I've ever spoken in front of by far. Really? By far. That went down to the Washington, that went back to the Washington Monument. Um, you told them you were going to go up to the Capitol, were you just... I was, no, I was going to, and the Secret Service said, you can't, and then by the time, I would have, and then when I got back, I saw, I wanted to go back, I was thinking about going back during the problem to stop the problem, doing it myself. Secret Service didn't like that idea too much. So, so what, I could have done that, and you know what, I would have been very well received. Don't forget, the people that went to Washington that day, in my opinion, they went because they thought the election was rigged. That's why they went. Now, I don't have a problem with any of that. I don't understand how CNN, and after this came out, CNN played that recording and then went on to say, when this case comes to trial, we believe these audio tapes will be part of the trial, part of the case against Donald Trump. (laughs) It, It is so amazing. It's so amazing to me. Now, uh, Mr. Trump, 
uh, posted on Truth Social not long after the uh, the interviews with Jonathan Carl came out, a response, and I think it's worth sharing his response. He wrote, failed ABC fake news reporter Jonathan Carl just wrote another bad book. He works so hard, but has so little talent. Some people have it and some people don't. In the, quote, book, close quote, he has the world's most overrated celebrity, Kim Kardashian, supposedly telling me, that she would leverage her celebrity to get football stars to come to the White House. (laughs) If I would commute the sentences of various prisoners, this story is fake news in that she would be the last person I asked to get football players. I've had many teams from all sports and leagues in the White House. If there was even a slight reluctance, I would immediately withdraw the invitation. That's true. Uh, There would be no negotiation, but this did not happen often. I did help with prisoner commutation, and he did, but only if deserving, and much more so for Kanye West than for Kim, who probably voted for crooked Joe Biden, and look at the mess our country is in now. Many other false stories in Carl's very boring book, but nothing worth mentioning. Uh, I think we should keep our eyes on the sales numbers to see if, in fact, there will be any blip of uh, sales for Jonathan Carl. There's more. His book is called Tired of Winning, and uh, I'm planning on not buying it, as a matter of fact. Uh, He says he's got new audio that he's going to be putting out as well. I don't think so, but you can bet your bottom dollar that uh, MSNBC and CNN and ABC News will all feature Jonathan Carl this week because, as he has said, This is about 2024. This is about him preventing Donald Trump from getting elected. He's not a journalist. He is a political operative working on behalf of the Democrat Party. I wonder how many books about Joe Biden are being written. I can't remember. I'm closing my eyes trying to think. What do I see? Uh, That would be zero. I'm not seeing any. Uh, It's just so obvious. And they're going to come after Trump now based on the allegations in this book. But from the words that I heard, I don't think there's a problem. Am I wrong? Join the conversation. 855-839-1210. 855-839-1210. We have uh, just about an hour to go on the show today. Have an early departure. Uh, We uh, have, is it basketball tonight? Yeah, Penn State basketball. Well, Penn State basketball tonight. We'll be checking out at 630. At uh, at the top of the hour, EJ Antoni, uh, the uh, Zioli Show economist, is going to join us because there's some... uh, Some new information that he put out today, and I'm trying to figure out everything that the Biden administration is telling us, claiming that uh, the economy is in great shape. Mm, I'm not seeing it, and uh, EJ doesn't seem to be seeing it either. So we'll break that down and uh, a couple more clips of some of the uh, malfunctions from Oatmeal Brain while he was out in California. Share that with you as well. And by the way, to our uh, caller from Wilmington, Delaware... Uh, the Biden plane is just getting in the air. So Joe's not here. Henry was wondering if there was a body double running around the property in Wilmington. I hope not. The last thing we need is a body double of Joe Biden causing more traffic jams. 
All right, it's Michael Pelka at 5.30, wrapping up the drive at 5 on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Let's go. It is 5.35 on a Friday evening. Friday, Louie, to you. Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on the Zioli Show. Henry holding me up here, propping me up. Thank God you're here, Henry. I appreciate your yeoman-like attention to detail. Uh, the um, the marathon is this weekend, is it not? Uh, yes, it is coming up. And uh, as a former marathoner, I did New York City twice. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty cool thing. And, and it is, uh, I think the marathon for any major city is the quintessential experience for that city. In the case of New York City, you run through all five boroughs. And it's kind of weird because if you think about it, on no day other than Marathon Sunday, would you accept food off the street from a complete stranger? <laughs> you know, but as you're, as you're running through uh, uh, Staten, Italy, and across the bridge into Brooklyn and then Queens and then back in to uh, Manhattan through Harlem, as you're running through the streets of the city, people are leaning out and handing you like half a banana or a cut orange. And on no other day would you take would you take a half a banana from a complete stranger and eat it. But that's what happens. And uh, it, it truly is an amazing experience. I, I wish my knees were still good enough to be doing distance running because it's just one of the great escapes. And the people who are doing it have my... Uh, my ultimate respect. So uh, everybody that's running, you're going to have incredible weather to run this weekend. And I hope you have a, a, a great time. Now, this is, um, is this the first year that Philadelphia has a non-binary category? Yeah, you know, I, we have, I did see that. We have men running and women running. And we always keep track of, you know, those categories. But now you can run and be non-binary. No, I guess it's been for a while. Uh, 2021, they had this. Uh, In 2022, you were able to register for the first time as non-binary. Okay. And find that you might have been classified in a male category after you finished the the race. But I, I just think that's bizarro. Uh, now, there are differences. There are physical differences, and and they they tell us, they, medical science tells us, ultimately, because women marathoners have not been allowed to compete uh, for, for as many years as men. I think 1980 was the first Olympic marathon that women were allowed to compete. It was, you know, mostly men, only men before then. But now we're going to have, I guess we're going to have all kinds of categories. And maybe if you want to be a a person who claims that you finish first in something, you create your own category, all these genders that are out there. But the elite runners are going to be out there doing their thing, and they're going to run and uh, qualify and win. I, I don't know what the prizes are. Organizers of the Philly Marathon announced in September it would offer cash prizes to non-binary runners in non-elite categories. But if you're an elite runner, now this doesn't seem fair. 
If you are an elite runner, you would have to compete in either a men's or a women's division in order to get a prize. But if you're not an elite runner, which means you have a a time that's not as fast as the other runners, uh, you qualify to be an elite runner by meeting standard set times for your division in previous races. You know, if you run Boston or you run New York or you run D.C. or Chicago, you post your time and that puts you in a category because the starting lines of the marathons, they're, you know, tens of thousands of people. You get put closer to the front if you're a faster runner. If you can prove you can, you can post a sub four hour or sub three hour time, you're allowed to do that. But here's the weird part they are going to offer cash prizes to non binary runners as long as you're in a non elite category, which seems to be totally unfair. I will see. I'll still I'll still watch whatever coverage they have. I just think it's a it's an amazing thing to run twenty six point two miles. I can barely run one. Have you ever run a great distance? Uh no. No, never, actually. Um I I will tell you, um those those folks who continue to do it, I have a friend who just finished her fiftieth marathon. In the last, uh, I think, 20 years, she runs two marathons a year. Uh, you're you're going to have a great heart. Oh, totally. Yeah. But um, my knees wouldn't handle it any longer. So uh, to everybody who's running, uh, God bless you, and I hope you finish. Uh, stay within yourself and be careful about taking food from strangers on the streets. It's just such a bizarro situation. Uh, I, I, I have to now see where the route goes. Cause I, I kind of tuned it out when I wasn't able to do it anymore, but it, it's a wonderful thing. Um, we've been, uh, we've been kind of keeping an eye on the protests that are going on as weekend starts to fall around the country. We're anticipating that some of the pro Palestinian protesters are going to show up again. And after we saw the beautiful, Absolutely peaceful protest in D.C. this weekend with almost 300,000 people on the mall and uh, delivering some fabulous and emotional presentations in defense of Israel. Uh, We're expecting we're going to see more of the violent types happening. In fact, um, there was a report that uh, at least 16 protesters, pro-Palestinian protests, were, were arrested today when they they barged into the Fox headquarters, you know, the News Corp headquarters right there in, uh, in, in Midtown Manhattan, which is also home to the New York Post newsroom, and they occupied the lobby. I think this is the beginning of what could be a, a uh, difficult weekend for people in New York City and maybe people you saw San Francisco had the Bay Bridge which was shut down and at least they stopped some of those people at least they arrested a few of those people so we will see um, I I told you I had more uh, Joe Biden clips that I have to play for you there were some uh, Joe Biden brain malfunctions that happened uh, at the APEC event uh, Joe Biden sat down with the president of Mexico, President Lopez Obrador, and um, there was a weird, cringy moment that was on a on a live mic 
with Joe Biden and the president of Mexico. Uh, it's good to see you again. We had dinner last night. I told you, you sat next to my wife. You were so captivating. I was worried she likes you more than she likes me now. I don't know. Uh, you, you sat next to my wife and you were so captivating. I was worried she likes you more than she likes me. Uh, are we becoming like high school? Is that what's going on with oatmeal brain? And, and then he was talking to the uh, president of Peru, who will be handling the chairman duties in the next APEC event. Uh, and Joe was having a hard time getting through the prepared statements about what's happening the next time they gather in Peru. I know, I know President, uh, excuse me, I know President Pultre, uh, is, uh, um, is shares this commitment. And uh, I, want, uh, I want you to know next year when the APEC summit hosts, uh, Peru will help drive these economies forward. We'll be hanging out in Peru. I, the views are going to be nice, too. Yeah, we'll be hanging out in Peru. And the views are going to be nice, too. He couldn't pronounce her name, President Poultry. He had a hard time with it. It's just, it's just so difficult being Joe. It's a little troubling, is it not? Uh, I, I do believe that um, he's not going to be the nominee. My prediction was he would announce sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas, but I've been uh, disabused of that by someone who said, no, there are some restrictions on how the change has to be made. It's in the hands of the DNC, and we'll get into that. I have to step aside, take a quick break. As I mentioned, the uh, Zioli Show economist, DJ Antoni, is going to join us in just a little bit. But I also have... Um, some crazy crime stuff that we have to talk about. I, I know Henry's a big fan of the crazy crimes. And so I want to share some of these uh, stupid stories. And which presidents do you think believed in UFOs? Henry, do you have a thought? Which presidents believed in UFOs? Mm, I'd have to think on it. Okay, you do that while yeah. we, play, <laughs> we play some commercials. Anyone else, 855-839-1210 is the number. Which president believes or believed in UFOs? It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on The Zioli Show. Thanks for listening to The Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. It is The Zioli Show, just about 11 minutes before 6 o'clock. Michael Pelka in for Rich today. We are checking out a little bit early at 6.30 for some Penn State basketball, but we have time to get to a couple of important stories. I was just checking out the cables again, and uh, I want to throw the fake news flag. I want to throw the Bravo Sierra flag on uh, CNN. And it's all because uh, they're, they're not telling the truth. That's what the Bravo Sierra flag is all about. And Mr. Trump, would you do the honors? Uh, CNN, uh, what, uh, what designation will you get from Mr. Trump? Mr. Trump's button isn't working. You are fake news. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Alyssa Farah, who's also on uh, The View, used to work for Donald Trump, and she has now sold her soul for a giant paycheck from uh, both CNN and ABC News. Uh, she was just on CNN talking about how Donald Trump skipped an evangelical event in Iowa. 
that there was a big evangelical event in Iowa. And I'm wondering if there was any credibility given to uh, a real report that Donald Trump attended his sister's funeral. And maybe that took precedent over a campaign event. And I'm believing that that the uh, the the mainstream media does uh, journalistic malpractice when you don't give fair reporting on things like this. So to say that Donald Trump was thumbing his nose at evangelicals in Iowa when he was more than likely mourning the loss of his sister is uh, journalistic malpractice, as I said, to to say the least. So, Alyssa Farrah Griffin, uh, you know, enjoy your your uh, pieces of silver that you are getting. I, I mentioned this earlier, uh, presidents and UFOs. Now, I'm not a believer in uh, UFOs. I don't think uh, there's life on other planets. I'm one of those people who doesn't. I, I know the numbers. I know the statistics. I know the billions and billions of planets out there. But nothing that mirrors our life, human life, out there. But what about our presidents? What about the presidents of the United States? Do any of them have any presidents believed in UFOs? Now, this comes from a story in Politico.com, which I think is kind of interesting that they put this out. Which presidents have seen UFOs? Seen UFOs. That's the headline. Which presidents have actually seen UFOs? And it's more than one. Ronald Reagan. Ron, yes, Ronald Wilson Reagan. Apparently, in his second term, asked Mikhail Gorbachev a question. They had uh, they had been meeting in Lake Geneva, Switzerland, for an arms control discussion. And during a private walk around the lake, Reagan apparently turned to Gorby and said, uh, "What would you do if the United States were suddenly attacked by someone from outer space? Would you help us?" Now imagine you're Gorbachev and. And Reagan looks at you and says that. What would you, what would you do? Gor- Gorbachev later told the media that he said, uh, no doubt about it. And that Reagan said, oh, we too. So that's kind of interesting. So did Ronald Reagan believe in, in UFOs? Did Ronald Reagan believe in, in spacemen out there? Now Reagan obviously had a had a great creative history with his uh, years in Hollywood, lifelong fan of science fiction. Uh, but did he have an encounter with UFOs? According to the reporting in Politico, in the seventies, Reagan claims he may have had an encounter, but he's not the only one. So if you look back at uh, presidents who probably lived in a time where UFOs and, and people from other planets were, were discussed, which president would you suspect might have seen or claimed to have seen UFOs? Henry, any thoughts at all? Oh, I want to say it's someone with like a military background because I feel like today those are the people that claim they see it. So I'm going to go out on a limb and I'll say like uh, a Truman or an Eisenhower. 
Well, now that's interesting. Was Tru- did Truman have a military background? I didn't think so. Eisenhower, of course. Eisenhower, maybe a Gerald Ford, someone like Ford. That. You know, Ford was accused of playing football without a helmet. There were a lot of people that had questions about Gerald Ford's uh, mental capacity as well. Uh, but uh, we, I, if you want to look at military, uh, you do have Eisenhower, as you said. Uh, Kennedy, John Kennedy, mm-hmm. was in the in the military. Uh, a hero with PT-109 and how he saved his his crew. Uh, you have, uh, was it LBJ? Could it be Nixon? Not military guys. Could it have been uh, Jimmy Carter was a, uh, a member of the Navy, was a nuclear physicist with the Navy. And we didn't get into it. Um, I'm, I'm really getting tired of people saying nuclear. Nu- it's nuclear. <laughs> it's nuclear. Yeah. But there are people everywhere now talking about nuclear weapons. No, that's that's not how that word is pronounced. But um, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter may have been the guy. Really? Yeah. Harry Truman was curious. And there were reports of flying saucers. And uh, he summoned his military aide Colonel Robert Landry to the Oval Office in 1948 and talked about UFO reports and what might be the meaning for all of these rather way out reports of, of sightings. And uh, all as uh, the, uh, the military advisory called, quote, all manner of objects and things that were being seen in the sky by people, close quote. Now we have to remember that the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still was the subject or was created after a short story that talked about this uh, flying saucer landing in Washington, D.C. and warning us against nuclear annihilation. Nuclear annihilation. So Harry Truman was fascinated with it. There's no mention of, uh, of uh, Eisenhower. I think he was a pretty sober guy when it comes to stuff like this. But Bill Clinton... Bill Clinton was interested, maybe. Former governor of Arkansas had expressed interest in aliens as soon as he was sworn into office. And uh, Webb Hubble, who was a big Clinton family friend, and a lot of people still speculate that Webb Hubble was Chelsea Clinton's father. That's a subject for another rumor mill day. Uh, he he uh, reportedly, Clinton said, uh, Webb, if I put you over at justice, I want you to find out the answers to two questions. Who killed JFK and are there UFOs? And according to Hubble, he was dead serious. And he said he had looked into both but wasn't satisfied with the answers he was getting. So Clinton's interest in UFOs never seemed to go away. But he was asked about it when he was overseas in Ireland, asked about it by a kid who asked about the, the crash in Roswell. And Clinton said, uh, uh, as far as I know, an alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. And I did not have sex with that alien, Miss Lewinsky. <laughs> so uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, Jimmy Carter claims he spotted a UFO while waiting for a Lions Club event to start in 1969. So you got Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan, who both claimed they had UFO experiences. And I wonder if anyone in the Bush family 
So it's kind of a fascinating take. Do any of our presidents, have any of our presidents actually believed that there were unidentified flying objects with creatures from other planets out there? Now, Jimmy Carter's also the guy who was attacked by a hissing rabbit. I don't know if you remember that. He was fishing. And a rabbit came swimming at his boat and Secret Service had to take care of it. So it is, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, a rabbit, a hissing. You, do you remember Monty Python and uh, the Holy Grail when the rabbit attacked them? It was pretty similar. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so uh, Jimmy Carter actually had that experience while he was fishing. Huh. I know. We, we've had uh, pretty weird history. So uh, Reagan, Reagan and Carter and uh, who knows, maybe Harry Truman. Reagan said the the craft that they saw went straight up to heaven. So maybe it's the little green men syndrome. I'm not a believer. That's just me. You might be a believer. I want to believe. <laughs> I want to believe. Okay, Fox Mulder. <laughs> well, the last round of, you know, Congress hearings, I'm like, they're just doing this for show. This is a load of crap. Yeah, I, I don't think there's uh, any real proof out there. But it does make for interesting discussions after a cocktail or two. I'm stepping aside, taking a break. When we get returned, uh, the uh, is the only show economist, E.J. Antoni uh, from Heritage, has some very interesting pieces he posted today. And we will get into it and see if the economy is actually as solid as the administration wants us to believe it is or not. That's next on the Zioli Show with Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia, from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Well, it is the Zioli Show for another 25 minutes, but it's Michael Pelka sitting in for Rich, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow evening as well, 7 to 10 p.m. here on Talk Radio 1210. We'll cover everything happening Saturday night. There's a lot going on in the streets tonight. Looks like there are more pro-Palestinian protests when the weather's nice. You're going to see people who have uh, no good purpose in their lives running about causing trouble. Let's hope the cops get the right to uh, uphold law and order. Let's hope that happens. Uh, so many questions I have to ask. Uh, I, I know we have um, E.J. Antoni. We're waiting on E.J. Antoni. Do we have him here? Is it Dr. Antoni with us? Yes, he is. Henry? Uh, oh, very good. Very good. Uh, the Azioli uh, Show Economist extraordinaire i think we need to add that to his title uh ej antoni uh is uh, somebody i respect for his uh, sober analysis of what's going on in the economy uh he's he's here when we need him and i'm i'm reading some of the posts that were that were put up today ej and as i'm looking at this i'm i'm wondering where is the um where is the divide in reality between the administration and the numbers you're seeing are are there are there actually two sets of numbers 
or are they putting a spin on this that I'm missing and maybe you and I are both missing it? No, Mike, I think the only divide is the truth. Everything the administration is saying is misaligned with their own data. And I think that's important, Mike, to emphasize for a second here. It's not as if I'm walking around taking surveys and I'm coming up with one set of data that contradicts the data from the administration. No, no, I I use their own numbers to determine that the things that they are saying are simply not true. So when Joe Biden's telling us that the economy is strong and all the underlying elements of the economy are strong, but people just don't understand it, Um, it feels like he's insulting me as the person who says, well, wait a minute, how come I don't have as much money after going to the uh, grocery store? It's exactly right. The gaslighting out of this administration, and frankly, a lot of the media, too, is absolutely appalling. Uh, you know, again, using their own data, we just got information from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, part of the Biden administration, just yesterday, showing that the bottom four quintiles of counties, in other words, 80% of the counties in this country, had incomes not keep pace with inflation last year. So this whole idea that that somehow people's lives are better under this administration, their finances are better, uh, their economic outlook is rosier, none of that is true. And the only reason they were allowed to get away with it is that the mainstream media doesn't question it. Is that the, the correct assessment? I suppose, although increasingly you do find uh, voices on on places that you would have normally thought would be uh, in alliance with this administration, and and those voices are are increasingly becoming critical. And I think the reason for that is at this point they have no choice but to acknowledge the plain facts that every American is feeling in their daily lives. Because at, at some point you just can't keep pulling the wool over people's eyes. It becomes so blatant obvious that what you're saying is not true um ej when we when we look at the um when we look at the overall economy i'm i'm looking at the numbers that you're posting on on all the graphs and the graphics that you use and uh, i'm stunned when i see that none of the things that you're pointing out ever gets mentioned by well why would you mention negative news but the administration keeps telling us that manufacturing is crushing it, that American manufacturing is doing really well. Is, is that true or is that a fabrication? Well, the manufacturing sector has actually lost jobs year to date. All of the, uh, all the regional Federal Reserve banks who do manufacturing surveys show the sector in contraction, as well as the different purchasing manager indexes that are published by private institutions. Those also show the sector in contraction. So, again, I, I would love to know by what metric, by what numbers, by what data uh, this administration is determining that manufacturing is somehow going gangbusters like they say it is. And again, this whole idea that they can gaslight the American people and say, oh, look, you know, the numbers may say one thing, but things are actually a lot 
better than that. I, I liken it to in the early in the early weeks of the NFL when commentators will say this team or that team is better than their record, right? Maybe there was a fluke game where you, you just had a bunch of players who were injured or you had some referees really you know blow a lot of important calls that, that turned the game around, whatever the case may be, right? But at some point, your record is your record. You can't say in weeks... 15, 16, or you know, 17, you can't turn around and say this team is better than their record. I'm sorry, at that point, your record is your record. And that's where we are right now with the Biden administration. And that record is failure. All right. Well, let me play devil's advocate with you a little bit. And I, I'm not doing it to be a wise guy at all. But over the past several weeks, we have seen things like uh, the cost of fuel, of gasoline, drop precipitously and we've also seen the cost per barrel of oil drop um are are we looking at uh at lower gas prices that are going to come down or is this something to do with seasons or related to demand it's largely related to demand and this is where things are are actually getting a little scary in terms of some of those forward-looking indicators major shippers around the country those are companies like ups and fedex they have seen such a drop-off in demand in other words there aren't enough businesses asking them to ship to ship product around the country anymore that they don't need anywhere near as much diesel fuel and so not as much diesel fuel is being sold not as much is being produced there's less in in storage and stockpiles we are at the lowest in terms of this time of year we are at the lowest level for diesel fuel on record so this idea that that somehow again the economy is humming right along we have a whole host of different indicators that show that things are slowing down not speeding up not even maintaining so uh, with, with that number I, that is a concern that the the lack of, of refining of diesel fluid fuel is because there's no demand for it uh, would you advise if you were telling this administration uh, that this would be the time to uh, do something like refill the strategic petroleum reserve? Is that something you would say, hey, look at the price of oil. Maybe it's time we start refilling that? Oh, you, you don't need me to tell them to do that. They've already said they were going to do it, except three times now oil has the price of oil, the price of West Texas Intermediate Crude, the American benchmark, that price has three times now fallen below the threshold at which they promised they would refill the reserve. And all three times they have failed to do so. They have gone back on their word. The whole reason we have Saudi production cuts in oil right now and Russian production cuts is because this administration broke its promise to those foreign countries, and they said that they were going to refill the reserve in order to try to keep up the price of oil to cause some demand during periods when demand was low. And this administration lied, and they went back on their word. And as a consequence, places like Saudi Arabia are saying, fine, if you're not going to help keep up the price of oil, we're going to do it ourselves. So Saudi will cut their output, which will force the, the barrel cost higher. It, it, that's exactly right. And, and you know what? This, this whole conversation, though, Mike, could have been avoided if we simply had just kept the previous administration's energy policies in place. If we had right. continued to allow the, the great American energy industry to do its thing, we, we would have continued to have not just energy independence, but energy dominance. 
And instead, now we have a president who, on the few days he's actually awake, goes on bended knee to the Middle East and to South America to try to beg them to produce more oil. I, I, I'm sorry for getting emotional here, but, but it is just absolutely sickening and disheartening and, frankly, a disgrace. Um, EJ, I appreciate the passion because it, it, it means that, you know, it's you, your combination of information and passion lead to usually uh, more push towards solutions, which is what we need. Now, if we're looking at our economy, EJ, I hear a term being used by some people in your world, uh, the death cross. What, what the heck is the death cross as it relates to um, the markets and long and short-term rates, and is that a bad sign for us? You know, I, I am always very, very hesitant, Mike, honestly, to to buy into these things simply because there are way too many times when, when they actually happen uh, for for different reasons than a signal that, that a recession is coming. So when we talk about uh, these these different market metrics where uh, there's a certain relationship between short-term and long-term rates or between the previous high and the previous low in a, in a stock index in terms of the, the current cycle that we're in. You know, the thing that's important is that if you look at instances like uh, in 2019, right, there were a lot of indicators that said that we were going to be in a recession by the end of that year, maybe early 2020. Now, we actually did obviously have a recession later in 2020, but for a totally different reason. It was artificial. It was caused by the government lockdowns from COVID. The reason I bring that up is because those indicators were not happening for the traditional reasons, right? Just like we were just talking about with with the price of oil. It's not happening because there's an increase in supply, which would have been a good thing. It's happening because there's a decrease in demand, which is a bad thing. And so it's always really, really important to take these different things, I think, with a grain of salt. Now, that being said, you know, there are a whole host of other indicators that say that we're headed towards some rough uh, economic waters right now. Are those indicators related to um, unemployment numbers? It looks like a second week in a row we had more people filing for unemployment, and shouldn't this be a hiring season? So those numbers are at least theoretically adjusted for seasonality, meaning when uh, you know when we have a lot of hiring before the holidays, and then everyone gets laid off from those part-time jobs in January, and then over the summer, for example, you have all the college kids home, and they're usually getting part-time jobs as well, and then they all leave their jobs at the end of July, beginning of August. So theoretically, at least, we're, those those kind of conditions should be taken out of those numbers. The thing that's more concerning to me right now, and I think is more of a red flag in those uh, uh, unemployment. Uh, claims is the fact that the initial claims are now beginning to filter down into continuing claims. In other words, we are no longer where we were earlier in the year where a lot of people were filing for initial claims, but then they weren't on unemployment very long because they got a new job and it typically paid more than their old one. We're not seeing that anymore. Now what we're seeing is people file for unemployment and they stay on it for many more weeks than they were previously. And we're also seeing that the new job they get is very oftentimes not paying any more than the job they left. So are there any good indicators in the latest reports we had this week as relates to both producer price index and consumer price index? You know, unfortunately, it, you're really hard-pressed to find any good indicators. And, and there are some numbers that on the face look good, 
But then as soon as you understand the methodology of how these things are calculated, you realize that it's basically just a mathematical fluke. Health insurance is a great example of that. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, health insurance costs dropped 35 percent over the last year. I challenge you, find me one person in this country whose health insurance dropped by 35 percent. I mean, maybe the guy who who lost his health insurance, now he doesn't pay anything. I suppose his costs went down. But the problem is that the BLS doesn't actually measure the premium prices that you pay. They're measuring corporate profits. And they use that to calculate how much actual uh, service is being provided to you by the health insurance company. And this may all sound very convoluted. I assure you there are some reasons why they do it because the alternatives, uh, frankly, aren't that good in terms of how they can actually calculate these things. But to make a long story endless, Mike, the problem is that as corporate profits have gone down at these health insurance companies, it's causing the apparent cost of health insurance in the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, to also come down. And so it's artificially keeping down the inflation numbers, even though what you're paying for what you're getting in terms of health insurance hasn't gone down by 35%. It's actually been going up. Yeah, it's never felt like it's gone down. I can tell you that as a consumer. I look at all these numbers and all these categories, and I say, where's the reality here? Where's the truth? And it just feels like every month the numbers come out, EJ, and we get less and less honesty out of the administration. Uh, In a perfect world, could we just get what the consumer price index is for the people on the the real stuff they have to buy every month? Could we just get real economic data on how many people are hired and fired each month? Or, or is this always going to be something we have to try and look at through a filter and figure out what the truth is? Well, I think it's always something that, that you should look at through a filter and that you always want to be skeptical of and that, that you need to actually you know go beyond just the surface layer to figure out what is really going on. That's not just true for this administration. It was true for the previous administration and, and all the others. And the reason for that is because, you know, we, we just in terms of like jobs or, or joblessness, whatever the case may be, it's just too difficult to conduct a census every single month and try to figure out the status of of every single person in this country. I mean, heck, we don't even know half the people in this country, apparently, because of all the the people flooding across the border who are unaccounted for. So how on earth are we going to get a a, a census in terms of any kind of employment data? And so it's important. That's why it's so important, Mike, to understand how these numbers are computed. And therefore, you can figure out what's actually going on behind the scenes and when these numbers need to be taken with a grain of salt. And, you know, sometimes they should be adjusted down. Sometimes they should be adjusted up. Right. Sometimes these numbers are understating how good things are. But unfortunately, right now, I think they're understating how bad things are. And and that's borne out in the poll numbers. Why is it that this president has such horrific approval ratings in terms of his handling of the economy? It's because things are much worse than the official numbers lead you to believe. Yeah, the uh, the consumer knows best. I think that's uh, always the the way I like to look at it. If if you really want to understand the economy, start at home and look at your own personal economy, and don't necessarily believe what's coming down the news wires to you. And then follow EJ Antony PhD, the real EJ Antony on Twitter X. 
our uh, Zioli Show economist and also with the Heritage Foundation. My friend, I thank you for the very sober analysis of all this and putting up with my, my trivial questions. Oh, no, no, not, not trivial at all, Mike. And it's always a pleasure. Thank you sincerely for having me. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. At least it's a little cheaper this year. And there he goes. Uh, yeah, we are being told it is a little cheaper this year. Uh, a couple of things that are going on um, as we're getting ready to wrap up here. Uh, it, it looks like the uh, January 6th video website is up and running. I will post a link to it. Uh, the uh, Committee on the House Administration has posted a massive link to all of the video. So if you want to see some of it, uh, maybe you can spend some of your weekend time enjoying it. Uh, I anticipate there are going to be folks who are going to be culling the important videos and sharing them with us. Uh, it, it looks like... Uh, it, it Where's that other story I was looking at here? It, it looks like uh, the... Uh, the situation, there was a New Hampshire shooter situation, and that shooter at that New Hampshire hospital has been neutralized, as they say, which means they've been killed, and I'm all for that. If you go to shoot up someplace, I'm hoping you're taking a dirt nap right afterwards. Uh, I have to clean up a couple of things here because so many of you have, have shared uh, your thoughts as well. Earlier, we are talking about... Uh, the presidents who may have believed in uh, UFOs and the um, question that Henry and I were asking was, did, did Harry Truman serve? And uh, Johnny Cook has written, Truman fought in the trenches in World War I. Huh. And uh, I appreciate that clarification. As do I. Yeah, I, I, we should have known. That, prob- that I, makes sense. I thought sense. he was, like... That's why I brought his name up. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's a war guy. He definitely knew in the 50s. Yeah, but he was in World War One, Right, when right. We really didn't have uh, uh, a battle in the air. and uh, But then, you know, he's the guy who certainly was uh, pro-military in, uh, in wrapping up World War Two, as, <laughs> as we all know, who gave the order to drop the bomb twice. Uh, the only times that uh, the atomic weapons have been used, and thank God, the only time. Uh, so many other things I want to get to tonight that I didn't get to, but we'll do it tomorrow. Uh, I think we should wrap up, though, with uh, the amazing moment that happened uh, in the last week where Donald Trump in Madison Square Garden entered a UFC event and he was surrounded by a posse, including Dana White, the head of the UFC, including Tucker Carlson, including Kid Rock. And uh, you all saw the massive applause and the chants for Trump, Trump, Trump. But I think the best was the description by Joe Rogan about Donald Trump's entrance into the UFC event. When he walked out of Madison Square Garden, it was bananas. Really? It Went was crazy. the yeah. whole place was cheering. He walks out to Kid Rock's American Badass <laughs> with Kid Rock oh, and Tucker Carlson walking in like the right wing Avengers. <laughs> and the place went nuts. I'm telling you, the f- cheers of the crowd were nuts. 
I mean, it was overwhelmingly in support of him, and it lasted a long time. I mean, it was a roll. I mean, you had to hear what the crowd sounded like before he walked in, and then he did. I mean, it was just overwhelming cheers That's for like over a minute. I mean, just imagine a minute of people screaming at the top of their lungs. Yeah. Yep, the right wing Avengers. That may be the best description I've seen. And uh, hope hopefully that'll continue. Uh, Henry, thank you for being here these last couple of days and putting up with me. And I know you're working solo. It's appreciated. I'll be back tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, live local here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And on the free Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.